Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Motorsport news, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to a very important day in motorsport history. Not only is it the anniversary of the movie Le Mans being released in 1971, not only is it the 30th anniversary of Mazda being the first Japanese and still the only manufacturer to win Le Mans with anything other than a piston engine, not only is it Johnny Herbert's birthday today, but also, it's Joe Bradley's birthday. Huge, huge day in motorsport. Uh, and many others too, actually, in the motorsport world. Hello, it is just after 8 o'clock in the UK. It's been a beautiful day here in Central UK. Tony Dezino's birthday as well today. And Michelle Mouton's as well. Um, I think Michelle Mouton rocks the white hair better than Bradis, if I'm absolutely honest um on a packed show tonight which is series 16 episode number 25 interesting that it is michelle mouton's birthday today she's celebrating in kenya and with a bit of luck and a fair wind we'll be speaking to our rally correspondent ben constant who's been out on the shakedown today and will give us the news from that as we look ahead to the new version of the kenyan safari rally Looking forward to that in the second hour. And we've got your submissions on Specutainment. We have a brand new feature. It's called Meet the Magnusons. Guess what? It features Jan and Kevin Magnusson. That's our nine o'clock feature uh, tonight. So in about an hour's time, uh, we'll also be previewing Pikes Peak. We'll be looking ahead to IMSA at the Watkins Glen Sealands. Six hours. We'll be looking back and forward in Formula One with Nick Damon. And there's some two-wheeled news as well, both in uh, MotoGP and a look ahead to the British Superbikes with restarts after which we restarts this weekend after a very long ap- absence on uh, Cheshire's version of the Nordschleife, Alton Park. A bit shorter, but just as demanding. That's all to come. Tonight, the Colonel is, uh, apologies for absence, going to teach a five-year-old about the undercut and how Merck lost the French Grand Prix. By the way, he says, a historic news podcast about the 917 Porsche was outstanding. Uh, Randy Brown. Randy, um, I know you're listening on the podcast. I know you've told us why. Our thoughts with you. Travel safely. And I genuinely hope you have good memories uh, of your grandparents to go with you on that journey to the Oregon coast when you're listening uh, to this. Uh, hello to John McCarthy uh, listening in uh, on the podcast. 
hello to Rob Chalmers. EFA tonight, back to three sisters for the next round of the TE120 series. Uh, and uh, they're racing at the moment, I think. And they're in third position at the moment. Less than two seconds, fewer than two seconds away from ML Racing, who are leading uh, with Helmet Racing in second position. Are they on the same lap? Yes, they are. That's just, by the way, to prove that we are live at the start of the programme. Uh, hello to Kevin Payne, listening tonight to Andy Graham, uh, uh, to Jesse, who's listening in, to Brody, revising and fixing racing cars and welding old Porsches. I think that's kind of usual now, Brody, isn't it? Maybe an adult beverage in hand. Put that welder down then, in that case. Hello to Alexander Orkin, who's uh, looking forward to what he describes as the usual brilliance of midweek motorsport. Braced pork, red wine and pancetta this evening. How lovely. Uh, right turn lover, uh, listening tonight. Uh, and uh, hope your mum's all right. It's Wednesday night. It means speculation, sadly, in self-isolation after coming into contact with someone who's positive. I've had no symptoms, but looking forward to a full two hours live for once, says Matt Haughty Hawkins. You see? Think of, the pro think of the positives. Absolutely think of the positives. Hello to Carol Brink, uh, to uh, Rob Jaina, listening live for the first time in absolutely ages. Carol and Kevin Brink, actually. To uh, Doug Amner, footy on mute, eating three jam donuts, so feeling a bit bloated. Sugar level up, though. Um, hello to Jack Martin, who's already in tomorrow because he's on the other side of the world. He's listening in. Simon Hoff. Just made it in time. Says happy birthday to Bradders. Chris Suku, no AFAs tonight, pottering around the study. Sam Pierce listening with a glass or two. Uh, pictures of something a bit different to go through. Oh, looks like he was at a drift event. Uh, and uh, hello to Dave Alcock. Uh, as promised, I'm watching all of Michael Bay's Transformers film looking for IMSA footage. Um, <laughs> Well, that's dedication for you. Uh, Serafina, just got a work call, off a work call, dialing in now. And uh, wise choice not to call it keeping up with the Magnusons. Very few would be quick enough. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so there we are then. If you want to get involved at Specutainment, we'll keep an eye on that on TweetDeck. Let's head to the news. I've shuffled the papers because we've got no Tim Gray. He's on assignment with a footy tonight. Let's head to the top story with the news. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And in this, as the news bed fades gently into the background, courtesy of Curry Cobb, who's pushing all the buttons up in London tonight, uh, we start our first story on two wheels. And for that, we need Nick Damon, who for the first time in a very long time, is actually at Hindhoff Towers. Uh, I'll better fade you up, though, is hadn't it, I? Yeah, Do you know what? I faded up the one well, that you yeah, normally you, yeah, on. Yeah, the Skype. Hello, yes, I'm actually here. I've been fed, watered, stared across the field, had a marvellous bit of... Su anyway, yeah, it's great. Uh, hello, everyone. Hello, John. Uh, I've got to start with GP as our yes. top story because it's alive! Well, Mark Marquez is back. Back. Mark Marquez. Well, no, no, no. Mark Marquez. I, I, I'm quite smug about this because I finally got a prediction right. You did? I said, he won't win the championship, he will win a race. Yeah. Uh, and if he hadn't won this one, it wasn't winning the others. Um, <laughs> no, it's seriously, absolutely brilliant performance by Mark. It was a track which suited him because of the mostly left-hand rotation means it doesn't put some Australians injured right, 
right side. It's always been a Honda track. It's always been his track. He's now won 11 on the spin there. Um, but you've still got to win it. You've still got to do it. Um, he qualified okay. Fifth got a good start. And it hinged on the fact when the we had a bit of a psychological rain, as we say, a bit of water ferns and visors. And in a track which really difficult to get past, he was he was leading. The second place man, Alicia Spargo, got spooked and effectively dropped the entire field about a second and a half behind him. And they couldn't make it up. And he and he and he finished it off. He did a brilliant job and fantastic. I don't think it's anything more than a sort of a, a fillip to him. Cause I don't think it, no, but it, it. Hang on a second. Let me turn me up and <laughs> you down a bit. Um, see, having somebody in here with me is really off point. Um <laughs> It was a disaster for him, though, because his perfect record at the Saxon Ring has been broken yes, because he didn't get pulled. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, the other thing, interesting thing is, is it's clever. I think that means that Honda won't get their claiming teams thing either. So they'll have to do the season next season as per normal. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's great to that see. That would have been an embarrassment to oh, yeah, Honda. Wouldn't useful it, surely? Useful embarrassment, isn't it? Mm. Ta- but, but, yeah, I don't think it says an awful lot about anything apart from the fact that um you know Alicia Sparrow doesn't like him when it's wet but it's good to see that he's still got it. It, it 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 is now you kind of wonder about the bikes but it's certainly got a point where neither second place Miguel Oliveira or Fabio Quattro are really that bothered about winning they're both just looking because for they knew they weren't racing, not racing him for, not the, racing championship. for the championship no. all right it was it was a anti-clockwise or as, as the Americans would say counterclockwise circuit um so that Helps him with his right arm mm-hmm. injury. He's very good there. Uh, the Honda's been very good there since the year dot. So it, it, it was a perfect storm, particularly when the flag of St. George came out, which means, first of all, it's the white flag, which means it's a flag-to-flag race and you can change bike, which normally means there's either rain there or rain's on the way. And then the flag of St. George came out with the white cross, uh, with the red cross on the white background, which means there is rain. It was only ever on a couple of corners at the far side of the it circuit. It never got wet. But he absolutely used that as his, well, almost like a, a steam catapult. It was more, it was, it was this interesting thing that you can't overtake at the Saxon ring it, with any ease. So when Alicia Spargo lost, lost his bottle in, in, in the, Ooh. well, he did really. You yeah, know, right, and right. He, he effectively held up everyone else. So the lead that was effectively a couple of tenths or three tenths became second and a half. And he was able to hold on to it. But it's great. It's, you know, there's always reasons for it, but it's still a great performance. Uh, hello to Ian McCarthy, who's listening on the podcast. Um, <laughs> he says, it's late apologies for options tonight. Casual family cycling event turned into ice cream tasting enduro. No DNFs permitted. Looking forward to the morning catch up. Oh, dear. That might be too much dairy there, Ian. Excellent. Uh, Kerry says uh, the Saxon ring should be renamed the Marquez ring. I think it may well be at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and talking of naming things, that takes us on to our second ser- uh, story because um, I think we might have touched on this last week, but it's now being confirmed that the first corner on the Nürburgring Nordschleife will be renamed at the next VLN NLS race as the Sabina Schmitz curve. It's that tricky little left-hand downhill, just where you would have come out of the old pits yeah, on, yeah. The, on the right-hand side there. You go right across into the pit, out, turning. You can't hit the curb on the left. You can't hit the curb on the right. And how you get through there really does dictate your speed on the first part of the hats and back. Uh, it's, it's a lovely thought, but absolutely, Nick, correct yeah. To, to honour Sabina. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it is a nice little tricky corner. And it's, of course, it features 
both in the tourist laps and the the big races as well. So it's a it's a great one to have for him. Mm, absolutely agree. And obviously we'll be uh, there with uh, Johnny Palmer uh, and Bruce and. Snowy, or some of those. A combination uh, of. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, at, that, at that next race when that is dedicated to Sabina. Uh, let's bring in, as we rattle through the news tonight, we'll come back to some more MotoGP news in a little while. And uh, Nick's got the team-by-team from Formula One, of course, uh, tonight. Um, let's head to the United States now with... Cher Adam, who joins us from Utah. Hello, Cher. Hello. And we are staring the the Salem's six hours in the face this weekend, where we get pretty much the bulk of the IMSA Shanction series together. (laughs) Lots to go through here. The entry list came out last week, but have been... Um, a movable feast in some respects. Yeah. But first of all, let's talk about a, a fantastic um, move that we've heard about just today, actually, uh, with the Grand Marshal for this event. Heard whispers of this last week, but yeah, finally confirmed Scott Atherton is back. No, he's not uh, reclaiming the <laughs> presidency. Uh, there's no coup going on. He is the Grand Marshal for the Salem Six Hours of the Glen. And you can imagine that with all five classes for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and then, as you said, pretty much everything under the umbrella running either this week or next week, except for the uh, Mazda MX-5 series, it's going to be a lot of happy people to see him back, and I'm sure he's going to be welcomed with open arms. It, we should mention that, that Scott, although he left the president's role at IMSA, he's retained on the board and as a quote-unquote advisor status. And the way he explained it to me was that he was going to act as a conduit between IMSA, the FIA, the ACO, and, and anybody else outside of, of the US that, that wanted to talk to Wimsor. So that's still actually, Nancy's gotten back at home, uh, he, that's Scott's <laughs> lovely wife, but that's, that's still a really important role. Very much so. And for Scott Atherton, it's not a a traveling every week kind of a thing like he was doing before. You don't need to put the suit on every day. Although I kind of imagine him wearing the suit every day at home on the beach every day. I'll have to ask Reed about that. Um, (laughs) But it is one of those situations where he is still very much an integral part of IMSA. And uh, he's he's serving his duty, but it's nice that he's getting a different role this weekend, and hopefully he'll actually be able to watch and enjoy a little bit of motor racing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. Our coverage uh, for this weekend, and we've got a double header at Watkins Glen, of course, because we've got the, uh, the shorter race coming up um, next weekend. So not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, that's all about uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, event, but this weekend uh, we start off on uh, Friday with Porsche Carrera Cup, uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo, and then rinse and repeat uh, on Saturday with the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Mission and Pilot Challenge uh, as well uh, on Saturday, and then on Sunday, of course, we've got the countdown to green and the full six hours. So that's Friday, June the twenty-fifth from in the UK, 5.55 in the afternoon. So just a little before 6 p.m. Friday night racing in sound and vision, of course, with Porsche Carrera Cup uh, presented by Visit Cayman Islands. Um, Let's start with the top class for once. Um, 
and let's start with Alexander Rossi. Uh, back with WTR, Wind Taylor Racing in the Acura. Um, wasn't on the original entry list yet. No, but not much of a surprise because Alexander, alongside Philippe and uh, Ricky Taylor, they lead the Michelin Endurance Championship, having won the 24 Hours of Daytona and then scored good points for the two two of the three hour marks, I should say, at Sebring. They have a handy advantage. So for Rossi not to be there, it would have been him losing the opportunity to get that championship this year because, of course, we assume he'll be back for Motul Petit Le Mans in November. Still need to get used to saying that. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that there are seven cars in class. Five of them have three drivers on the weekend. The 01 Cadillac Chip Canazzi Racing and the 60, the MSR Acura, they're the only two cars that are running two drivers. Limited track time for practice means that that might work out to be an advantage for them. But then if the six hours is going to be as hot as we expect, and we are expecting it to be in the high 80s, could turn out to be an advantage for the three driver lineups. Yeah, like that thinking. Uh, seven DPIs because uh, the Ali Cadillac's back. The Ali Cadillac's back. Yeah, I've got to get used to saying that again. Um, the interesting thing about that car, all three of the drivers are rookies to the Salem Six Hours of the Glen. Ooh. Simon Pagano has experience racing there in IndyCar, but Kamui Kobayashi and Jimmy Johnson have never done the six-hour race. Jimmy has raced there in a NASCAR before, finishing just off the podium. But again, six-hour race is a lot different than uh, the IndyCar race or the NASCAR race. Uh, a healthy five LMP2s. Yeah, and actually, as you were talking about the race the following weekend, I looked and the entry list is up for the next weekend. There's only going to be three for that following weekend, so we really need to appreciate having the five. Tower Motorsport is back, but they have changed their lineup. They've brought James French in to join with Gabby Aubrey and John Ferrano. And then another car that I was slightly surprised to see on the entry list was United Autosport. They brought back Guy Smith to run alongside oh, wow. Jim McGuire and Wayne Boyd. So that's going to be a fun uh, crew. But just to put it back into perspective, car number 52, that's Keating, Jensen, and Huffaker. They lead the championship, but Aubrey and Ferrano lead the Michelin Endurance Cup. Uh, initially, we had set at nine LMP3s, but we've lost a couple. Yeah, we're down to seven now because the 47 Motorsports and the 33 Sean Creech entry, they have both dropped out. Now, the 33 is actually a bigger story. Lance Wilsey, who was their bronze driver and funding the program, dropped out of the full season. I believe it was early last week. So the car was trying to find another fully funded bronze driver. They couldn't put that together, which means Joao Barbosa is currently out for this weekend and next unfortunate to see that happen but we do need to appreciate that we still have seven lmp3s and a couple new ish slash new entries we've got united running a Ligier. now they've got cruton kahupe and austin mccusker joining that car together all three drivers are rookies andretti autosport which only have the start at mid ohio has a pair of andrettis in that car and oliver askew so that's the a team what? clearly what yeah Ollie, what do you mean? Oliver Askew plus plus Marco drafted into that car. Plus Marco and Jarrett Andretti. Wow. Correct. Wow. So that's going to be a very strong lineup. <laughs> Say um, that again. We've, yeah, that's going to be a Even very strong Nick lineup. is impressed with that. He's <laughs> nodded knowingly to my right here. Yeah, so that was a, a strong candidate to come out. It's going to be their first endurance race as a team, but of course, Andretti Autosport, a great lineage of on endurance racing. So. They'll pick it up fairly quickly. 
Um, Performance Tech is a car that's on the entry list, but their car wasn't actually confirmed until I think I got the press release from Taylor today. Dan Goldberg is joining Rasmus Lind and Matteo Urana after they had engine issues at the Glen, not the Glen, at Mid-Ohio, right at the end of the race. You'll remember the engine (laughs) and did not restart. Um, They couldn't get a new one. So they've been having massive issues trying to scramble around and find a new engine. They do have one and they will be at the Glen this weekend. So that's good news. Uh, And uh, the Dawson Racing car, we talked about this, finally coming to play. And uh, one of our favourite pub landlords, um, Ben Devlin, who we've yet to go and see on Two Wheel Tuesday. We we have to go and see that. He's got his bike back now. Uh, He's back as well. I'm so excited to have Ben Devlin back. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a guy who has run at the Six Hours of the Glen before. He's been in the overall category with Mazda in their factory team. He's bringing in a couple of rookies to this race. Uh, Cicero, who has experience running in the IPC series before. He knows how IMSA works. But uh, Olsen, brand new to American racing. So that is going to be a learning curve. And as far as the championship goes in LMP3, Gar Robinson leads it on his own because he hasn't had a consistent co-driver. Felipe Fraga was supposed to be his full season co-driver and then missed the 24 hours of Daytona and the 12 hours of Sebring. So it is Robinson along with Scott Andrews currently leading the Michelin Endurance Cup in that category. Uh, XM202, by the way, at the weekend for the big race, XM, uh, Sirius XM202. Um, let's celebrate. You talked about celebrating um, the LMP2s. Let's celebrate 5GT Le Mans. Yeah, and this is going to be fun. So the week after, we're only going to have the three GTLM cars, the two Corvettes and then the Proton Porsche. Um, but for the this weekend, we've got the BMWs back, and this is going to be a wide-open battle because the Michelin Endurance Cup is basically both Corvettes tied, and then one point behind them, I think, were both of the BMWs. So it's going to be a knockout, dragout fight. I've already talked to Cooper this week. He sent me the nicest text message yesterday, and he was saying that between Matty Campbell and Matthew Jaminet, neither of them have a start at the Glen, but they did have a good test there a couple of weeks ago. And speaking of, and I'll, I'll save this nugget for the broadcast, Sean, but a lot of teams have been testing at the Glen to get ready for this. The Corvettes were not one of them. But both of the BMWs and the Porsche were. So there's uh-huh. going to be a lot of good battles in GTLM. And the Michelin Endurance Challenge is, is wide open, actually, because uh, yeah. that's the, the championship that effectively the BMW have committed to. And they're still in with the fight. GTDs, uh, the most numerate. Uh, that's no shock there. 14 of them at the Glen at the weekend. Yeah, and, and it's way too hard to try and go through all of GTD. But I will say this. Uh, There are a couple that really stand out. Carbon have joined in for the Enduro. Tyler McQuarrie actually told me a few weeks ago that uh, they were trying to figure out a way to get he and Jeff Westfall team back up for this endurance race. So it didn't come as that much of a surprise that the team was going to be entered. But still, alongside Richard Highstand, this is the team that had the win taken away from them the last time out at Belle Isle after their post-race refueling infraction was discovered. They're going to be hungry to prove that they can do it right and that they can win a race without anybody taking it away. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, How about fun to watch Andrew Davis in a Porsche? He's teamed up with Hardpoint for this weekend. And the other thing that really stood out to me in doing the homework, Lexus, they've got two cars. They never do well in the endurance races. Their track record of endurance races, I think they've had one podium in 24 endurance races by this point. I I mean, longer than a a six-hour race. 
they have half of their drivers who have zero experience racing at the Glen. They tested there, but still, for Robert McGinnis, Zach Beach, and Kyle Kirkwood, this is a very important learning weekend. And if they don't get the track time, it could be a steep one. Uh, this is point scoring for the main championship and the Michelin Endurance Cup as well, of course. The 96 Turner BMW leads the championship. Um, but in the Endurance Cup, top four separated by just three points. Yeah, Fast Motorsport with the win at Sebring. They snuck into the lead, but it's right there, thereabouts. Now, the important thing to remember, this weekend for the Michelin Endurance Championship, there's two point-scoring opportunities. Please remind me of that, will you? Because we'll forget when people start doing crazy pit stop strategies. I've already written down on a piece of paper to keep track of who is where at the three-hour mark. And and we've got data sticks that need to be swapped out at different points. Don't worry, I I got you on this, John. Okay, Um, cool. But because there's only two opportunities, a three-point swing is very easily attainable by one car. Say the number one car finishes first and the nine car finishes outside of the top three, that would put the number one car into the championship lead. So it is so easy for this sort of stuff to swing this weekend and i can't wait even though it's only two segments there are going to be a lot of fist fights going on at the end of those segments uh let's remind ourselves it's a longer race as well for the michelin pilot challenge one of only two extended races 38 cars fantastic 24 of which are the gs entries at the front of the field with what are effectively gt4s and welcome back to automatic racing I'm so happy that these guys are back. Remember a few years ago at uh, Laguna Seca when I think it was Al Carter uh, got out of the car after winning the four-hour race. He was just ecstatic. I mean, his excitement was infectious. It's going to be a good race. You've got Chris Wilson, Gary Ferreira, a lot of our usual candidates back in. But Automatic, one of the crews choosing to run three drivers for the four-hour enduro, another notable team going that way is Riley for the Supra. They've drafted Felipe Fraga into the 14. I think it's a good move. Give him a little bit extra track time. And then Colin Brown for the 21. Well, anytime you put Colin Brown and Scott Andrews in the same car, I think Toyota might get their first win this weekend. Really? Oh, my goodness. Mm. Well, Colin knows which uh, way is up. Full coverage of that as well, of course, including sound and vision, whether in the States are further afield. Uh, Black Dog Speed Shop, McLaren, uh, this weekend? And yes. a big so, BOP change for McLaren as well. Big BOP swing. That was the story a couple of weeks ago that we touched on, and it's something we'll continue to touch on over the course of the weekend when we see how it all shakes out. But Black Dog Speed Shop, they are a team that is run in what this series formerly known as Pirelli World Challenge, and I say that because they've been in it for such a long time. Mm. They've won championships. Tony Gables has been a very loyal competitor in that series, making his debut this weekend in the Michelin Pilot Challenge alongside his normal co-driver, Michael Cooper. They know how to win races. They are a very efficient team. They've been basically a Chevy factory team in the past. Well, shadow factory team. But they are going to make a splash. And being with McLaren, the brand that's already won two out of the three races this year, they're going to be strong. Uh, Very, very Quickly, uh, let's run through TCR. Only one team there, uh, only one team running three drivers this weekend. And that's the team that won the last endurance race. William Talley is back in the JDC Audi. He's uh, joined by Chris Miller and Mikey Taylor. It's going to be a very strong trio for the Enduro. 
Uh, let's move on to some of the development series. Uh, and we'll start with the Porsche Carrera Cup North America, uh, powered by, or presented by, excuse me, Visit Cayman Islands. Uh, there's been a pretty long layoff for these guys since we last saw the new 992 Cup cars on track. Earlier on this week, I, support, uh, I, I spoke to the championship leader, Sebastian Prior, uh, and asked him what it'd be like dealing with that time off. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been busy working here at Silverstone, um, working on my physically and mentally, uh, you know, work that I have to do for my racing. And, uh, you know, I feel really ready. Um, been training hard, focused, and just ready to get back out in the car. Motor racing isn't like uh, being a tennis player or a football player or even a golfer where, you know, you can kick a ball against the wall, you can hit a tennis ball with somebody for a bit of practice even with golf you know you can have a few practice swings in the back garden with the, the practice ball you can't really do that with motor racing you've got to be in the car and doing stuff so what sim work and stuff like that or yeah exactly john i've, I've been on the simulator here um at silverstone um and i've been working really hard with my driving coach he's he has actually been my dad's driving coach for many years um but you know i work really hard with also with my mental because that's a really big part of racing too not just the physical side and you know more mentally is a big part of racing and it's like you said it's it's different to most sports where you have to keep progressing and you know you're not in the car as much as you'd like to be and when you get in the car it's always tricky to get a good setup straight away so you know I'm working on all that and you know really working hard to, to you know get the best out of myself on the weekend. Coming up to a very busy time uh, as we run in now and have to fit everything in uh, towards the end of the season uh, and some awesome US tracks to to come up. Uh, Watkins Glen uh, next on there. You haven't raced there before. Have you tested there before? I've actually tested there just recently last month. We did a two-day test there in, in the Porsche 992. And, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, the tracks are awesome, really quick, uh, really, really, really ballsy track as in you know you can't make a mistake otherwise you're in the armco so mm. you know for me that was an eye-opener but I, I love the pace and i'm really looking forward to racing there the next race after watkins Glen is road america my goodness two phenomenal proper old school american road racing circuits there oh for sure i mean those tracks those two tracks are probably one of the best tracks i've ever been to in my life so especially road america is awesome um, really, really quick track, uh, and again, can't make a mistake. Um, it's, it's one of those tracks where you've got to be there before to learn well, uh, and it takes a bit of time to get up to speed. So, you know, I need to be ready for that one also. You've got a couple of race weekends under your belt now. How do you feel it's been going, and how do you feel you're adapting to this awesome new 992 Cup car? You know, it's been a pretty good year already. So, you know, obviously, leading the championship, um, I've got a quick teammate. Uh, but you know, always pushes me harder. I mean, Kota wasn't the best weekend possible. We did the best we could. Team did a great job. Um, you know, I, I I have to keep working on myself. Um, and uh, you know, I'm feeling really ready for Watkins Glen. I think we can have a win. Uh, I mean, I, you know, that's what I'm aiming for, uh, especially on the podium. So you know, it's been going really well this year. My first year in Porsche. So you know, I'm, it's just an eye opener for me every time I go out on the track. So I'm really learning the car well, and I think we're progressing well. Do you feel you've still got something to learn about that car? There's a very particular driving style with 911s, particularly old school 911s, with the engine still right out the back as it is. 
uh, in in the cup car. Uh, and this 992 is, you know, is a new version of this car. We've talked about this before. So in some respects, I suppose everybody's getting up to speed with it still, are they? For sure. I mean, the team are learning each time. Um, we've got a couple of teething issues at the moment with the car, just with, with manufacturing. You see, it's a new car. It's still, learn, you know, I think it's still in development a little bit, as in, you know, where you're still learning stuff from the car. Um, it's, a, it's a phenomenal bit of kit, um, you know, so it's, it's perfect. You know, Porsche always make a great car. So, um, but like I said, you know, every time I go out there testing, I'm learning the car, I'm learning the tracks um, and just learning how to drive this car. So uh, I feel like I've learned really well, but there's still a bit more to come. And I think, you know, we can really get quicker. Uh, you know, there's more to come. So, With the big gap between the rounds leading up to Watkins Glen, it enabled you to come back to the, to the UK. Is the plan for the rest of the season, for the most part, with the way the, the races have come, I, I take it you're going to be across in the States for a wee while. Does that mean it's dad and lad road trip again with uh, with you and your, your old man? <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, we loved that last year. This year is a little bit different for, for that because... Uh, I'm actually going to be travelling more on my own, um, as my dad's got other commitments he's doing over here uh, with Multimatic. So, um, you know, I've been travelling on my own to the last race. I was on my own with Kota. So, um, you know, I think I'm going to be out there a lot. I'm going to come back here and work a little bit in the UK. Um, but I think mainly going to be in North America is where I'm going to be. So, um, yeah, that, that's the plan. But unfortunately, you know, I don't think my dad will be coming as much to the, to the races. But, you know... Um, it's something that I need to learn. I know this might sound an odd thing to say, but we've been asked by a few people in the last few weeks, actually. We're, we're roughly speaking halfway through the calendar year. When do you start thinking about next year? Because you can't obviously leave it until after Petit Le Mans and the end of the season. But by the same token, I presume you want to be focused on, in fact, I know you want to be focused on, on getting to the end of the year. It's a, it must be said, quite a fine balance to strike. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm just focusing on now, here and now. Um, I think the future, uh, you know, is something I'm always looking to do. I want, you know, that's what I'm looking at. But I think this year, I'm just going to focus on what I'm doing. And if, it, you know, if I get a drive next year, I get a drive next year. Um, but I think this year, I've got full focus on what I need to do. And if, if I win the championship and I, you know, do well, I think it, it's just going to open more doors, I think, yeah. for me, hopefully. Um, but I've got nothing planned for next year yet. But, you know, um, I'm... I think I'm going to do something next year, um, but not sure what yet. So, but yeah, it's going to, you know, like I said, it's a difficult, you know, middle of the, through the year, you want to know what's happening. Exactly. So. <laughs> uh, it, do you feel it's a good time to be in, in the sports car environment, in the sports car space, as I'm, I'm sure people would say, uh, as a, a, a budding, prospective, young career driver? Uh, the, the, enough opportunities out there, you think? I think so. I mean, it's tricky at the moment because of everything going on still with COVID a little bit. But I think racing's changing a little bit, as you know, you know, LMDH and all that stuff is changing quite a lot. So I think next year might be a bit weird year. And then the year after that, I think it's going to be really good. And I think, you know, um, obviously I'd love to do sports car. I think that's well, that is my aim. My aim to do, you know, win the more outright is always going to be my aim, what I want to do. So I think just personally, I am going to take each day as it comes and, uh, yeah, I think the sports car is the perfect place to be right now. I, I take it we, it wouldn't be a massive surprise if you were to pop up an LMP2 car uh, at some stage in the relatively near future to get a bit of downforce experience. Yeah, for sure, um, John. I think that you know that's always the plan. I need to, to be ready. Um, I'm pretty much sure I'll probably have a test one day in the DPI in the, in the Mazda. Um, but you know, I think that's that's all in the future. And keep working hard now, and, and I learn 
learn the racing craft now and then I and then I'm ready for that stuff. So um yeah, I think just got a bit more learning to do with, with you know, learning these tracks and then I think I'm ready to go. Alan Metney leads oh, 100 points to 67 uh, over Efren Castro. And we have 31 cars in total uh, at uh, the uh, at the race this weekend. Sorry, in uh, Am. Uh, excuse me there. Uh, in the 991 category, nine cars in that uh, as well. And more Porsche news to give you that the next rounds after this weekend's, or sorry, uh, extra rounds added in to Carrera Cup North America presented by um, Cayman Islands. Uh, 11 and 12 are on the 10th to the 12th of September, uh, which is at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. This is the Sports Car Together Festival share, which be, has been announced this week. Um, which I've been talking to a number of people in the Porsche circles. It's it's kind of, it's not quite a Ren Sport, but it's something near it, but for uh, slightly more contemporary cars, it would seem to me. Yeah, and it's getting a lot of buzz, a lot of people excited to go to this weekend. And it's kind of funny because um, Ferrari is having their racing days at Indianapolis um, in July. So Indianapolis is the place that is turning into this uh, festival atmosphere. It's Roger Penske sweating the asset. Exactly. It's the captain doing what he does best. But this weekend, I'm so bummed that it's a conflict weekend with uh, IMSA WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca because could you imagine the Porsches that are going to be there, John? You would go crazy. Well, the good thing is the technology exists to be in two places at once, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, nowadays, is all I'll say uh, about that. We will have coverage of the Carrera Cup North America races from that event as well as the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Don't forget, WeatherTech moved their date uh, to that. Um, so it, it is a bit of a, a shuffle there. So that's the weekend. All the details on imsaradio.com. Remember, the place to go for all of our IMSA archive now and indeed for the live, including the live video and pretty much everything we do this weekend will be av available in, in sound and vision. There are some blocks if you, on, the, on the video if you're in the States, but not for any of the support series and not for qualifying for WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. IMSAradio.com, all the details is there. Shay, before I let you go, I want to talk IndyCar very quickly at the National Park of Speed at the weekend, Road America, everybody's, one of everybody's favourite US circuits. At nine races done, seven still to go, and yeah. Alex Palo gets back into the championship lead ahead of uh, Pato or Ward. Scott Dixon, your first pick always, uh, a wee bit <laughs> further back, another getting on for uh, 60, 70 points uh, behind at the moment, 50 points uh, behind at the moment on Alex Palau. Still no Penske, Team Penske win this weekend. They did everything but win it this weekend. A pesky Penske gearbox problem. So, I mean, robbed, 
absolutely rob for Joseph and Newgarden. Uh, he drops down to fourth in the points. I mean, it's an it's a, an, an absolutely odd start. That in, I think the last now five races, the driver who has led the most laps has not won the race. Yeah, correct. Uh, that streak elongated this weekend, another race. And how about Penske? They had the gearbox issue for Joseph after bossing the race, coming onto the restart. Um, then at the second Belle Isle race, Joseph was leading, got passed by Pato Award with about three laps to go after his tires fell off. And in Detroit one, which would have been three races ago, Will Power was leading until he shut his car off improperly and it decided not to turn back on as computers so often do waiting on windows. So this <laughs> is the streak of Penske bad luck. It looked like it was finally going to end, but it didn't this weekend. And, and I am gutted for Joseph, but He's fourth in the championship, as you say. Simon Pagano fifth in the championship after that phenomenal run at the Indianapolis 500. Renus VK misses the weekend due to his broken collarbone, replaced uh, by Oliver Askew. More on that in a second. But Renus, even with missing this race weekend, still sixth in the championship. Okay, on to Oliver Askew. The kid deserves a full-time ride. Jeremy has been saying it for years now, but hopefully more people will listen. After two weeks ago, he subbed in at Belle Isle, having never raced at Belle Isle. He did a great job for Aeros Peterson McLaren. And then this weekend, he goes to Ed Carpenter Racing. And you have to imagine that he had the choice between the two teams. Ed Carpenter might be a place where he has a future, whereas um, ASM he dropped him in the past so that's not going to be a potential opening for him oliver needs to be back in the series he's so impressive the other uh, substitute was kevin magnuson we'll be talking to him uh, just after nine o'clock so just under 20 minutes time uh, they're testing at the moment in aragon with the he's testing with his dad for the high class racing le mans team we'll get them into midweek motorsport uh, then no replacement race for toronto no and that's the big story out of this week nine races down seven to go which means that it is a 16 race championship so you've got one fewer opportunity to make a move if you're gonna do something to get up into this championship hunt and you mentioned it earlier john scott dixon in third but let me set the scene for you he qualified terribly this week he struggled with the car in practice had an off damage the car he finished fourth at road america after a what he would consider subpar beginning this is how he launches championship runs he takes a car and gets the best possible finishing platform out of it now the next race not this weekend but the weekend after we're going to mid ohio Oh, yeah. How many wins does Scott Dixon have there? That would be six. Yeah. I would start cueing the Jaws music up now. Scott Dixon is coming for his teammate to try and reclaim the championship honors because everyone's been talking about Alex Palou getting the win for Chip Ganassi this weekend. He's the first driver since Dario Franchitti to get more than one win in a season, whose name wasn't Dixon, by the way. Um, Dario went on to win the championship that year. Scott's trying to win his first ever back-to-back -back championships. I think Dixon's looking pretty strong for this one. Right, stay with us because I want you to talk into the next segment as well. But a quick reminder about what's going on at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. It's Krilzy, Shebex and the team on the grid. Uh, no secret about the fact that they're fans of Thomas Randall uh, on that programme. So it seemed logical that the guys would get him back on the show this week following 
the announcement that has finally come that it'll be a full-time supercar driver in 2022. It's no surprise to me either that Tom is honest and open about his journey to this point of his career. The big surprise, I suppose, is how the news was broken at the weekend. And yes, of course, they asked him to go into great detail about how he set up that mega pass on Anton Di Pasquale at turn one. Uh, then the guys will be discussing the new improved Darwin event, uh, bikes, drag racing, all of that, uh, plus of who a recap of who did what as well at the week. And that's on the grid tomorrow night or here on RS1 at nine o'clock. It is midweek motorsport and uh, still to come in hour two of the programme. We've got some two-wheeled news. Uh, we have a British Superbike preview in that. We'll look back at uh, MotoGP as well. That's probably going to nip into the second hour as well. Uh, we've got the Magnusons joining us uh, and we'll be looking at rally going back to Kenya as well as the race to the clouds. But now, because it's a very busy time in Formula One at the top of the motor racing pyramid, uh, it's time to talk FIA Formula One World Championship. Hooray! <coughs> Sorry. Hooray! <laughs> Yay. Uh, Yay. Now, before we get into team by team, yeah. I want to talk about qualifying, and I want Shea to stay in on this as well. Right. Um, for the second, is it the second or the third time? Third, third race in a row. Third race in a row, we've had um, a red flag in qualifying, whereby the person who's caused the red flag, you could say, has hasn't been disadvantaged. Has not been disadvantaged. Let's let's not say has benefited. This time it was Mick Schumacher. Um, and it was Q1 rather than Q3. Yes, and and there's no suggestion that he did anything on purpose. Uh, no. But, um, you know, uh, skip across that. Um, but it did stop other people improving their yep. times. Now, Shea, if that had happened in IndyCar or in IMSA, what would have happened? You would have lost your two fastest laps and you would not be allowed to resume the session should it go back to green. Is it time, Nick, that... Formula One has to look at this because whether it's an accident or not, surely this has got to be looked at. No. No? You've all got a certain amount of time to set a time. If you don't set the time, that's your bad luck. Same with the yellow flags caused at the back end of, of, of sessions. Um, it's very, very frustrating for the people it, it disadvantages. Um, it does affect the results of the races but then so many other variables do as well you know mm. so it's if it rains realistically no one wants to write their car off you know when you actually have a proper accident and people who have done it deliberately on the whole have been found out with the possible exception of Nico Rosberg well let's not go to that now mm. um, you know so no I think I, I, I don't I, I do absolutely understand the massive frustration of the drivers who are going out putting out a time that's going to get them higher up on the grid or higher up into the next section but it's ever been thus and it's one of those things and if you want to guarantee you're going to get through go out first put in a lap time good enough for pole okay that seems reasonable Cher thanks for joining us tonight uh, speak to you on IMSA Radio Friday Saturday Sunday sounds good thanks guys thank you Cher Cher Adam joining us uh, live from the US check imsaradio.com for all of our broadcast times at the weekend time for Formula 1 Team by team, Nick Damon's rapid fire run through what <laughs> happened at Ricard at the weekend. Uh, at the back of the field, let's start with Haas Ferrari. Well, I'll just set the scene. Don't forget that Paul Ricard always produces a terrible, boring race that's rubbish. 
uh, and it's you know it just everyone just trundles around uh, doing one stop, and then they get to the end and get points. That's what always happens at Paul Ricard. Um, well, the, the, one of the most significant things happened before we talk about any of the teams. Was it rained on Sunday morning, uh, and that completely changed the track. It affected the. I don't know, F3 the, race. the seventh F3 race, they're all the same. Yes. Um, and um, that did put all the calculations out and then changed a huge number of things moving forward. Um, Haas, well, the battle between Nikita Mazapan and Mick Schumacher once again went to Mick Schumacher, and I think they did have a round, didn't they, in the first lap where he punted him. Mazapan again was a bit elbows out on Schumacher. Is there a gentleman's agreement now? No. Will there have to be? There's never a gentleman's agreement. There's never a gentleman's agreement. It doesn't exist. Gentleman's yeah. agreement doesn't exist. It's made up. Um... You know, the whole point about it is not written in stone, it doesn't count. Uh, so Mick again beat Nikita Mazapan, who I think managed only to be mildly annoying for the rest of the field this time. So there we go. That's the first time he's actually get that past. Uh, Williams Mercedes. Well, um, Nicholas Mercedes was one of those people who was very upset about the uh, Mick Schumacher accident. It looked like he was going to make um, uh, section two of qualifying. Uh, George didn't. George managed to have his best race of the season come 12th, which doesn't sound great to you realise that there were no retirements. So the people he beat, he beat them properly. That's, That's off the back of a bad start. But more importantly, of course, it, it hops Williams back past Haas, who stole 10th, 9th in championship last week or two weeks ago, back who were the 13th. So go, go George. Uh, Williams Mercedes was done. Alfa Romeo Racing Ferrari. I think I said this last time, but I don't remember them doing anything it's really bad literally they just disappeared i'm sure they both drove really well and really hard but they didn't even flicker onto my radar so well done alfa romeo for being there mm. okay uh next up ferrari courtesy of Charles leclerc being uh 16th ferrari qualified really quite well and then raced as badly as possible effectively because this change of the track up to the degradation. Degradation is something they're already not very good at. And on a, a race which was marginal one stop, they made the decision to go two stops too late. And when they did go there, they got stuck in traffic. Or in Charles Leclerc's case, he actually burnt both sets of his... All three sets of his tyres he burnt out. Um, hence, he, he tumbled down the field to 16th. And they have a major problem in these high tyre wear races. But then again, if you look at the so far this season, this is race seven. It's the first time it's really bitten them. So... If it happens once every seven races, it's not the end of the world. Though it was very embarrassing. Alpine Renault. Esteban Ocon celebrated his new three-year contract with a very average performance where he's completely outperformed by Fernando Alonso. Um, it was Alonso's best performance by far of the season. Not uh, just in his results. It actually looks he, a he, lot better. It, it's, yeah, it, 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 you're away for two years. These cars are new. They haven't given them enough pre-season t- testing. And no, look, all these guys are coming good after four, five, six, seven races. It's, you know, uh, uh, um, Alonso is good in Baku as well. You know, we've seen the Fettles and Sainz and uh, uh, Perez all take four races because it's just you didn't get, they didn't get enough pre-season testing. And these cars are so complicated, it's not like jumping into another Hewland gearbox a DFE engine car. They're completely different. It's a very good point, actually. Uh, Sorry, Carlos Sainz um, came 11th, which was probably the best you could do with a car which tyres are falling off. Yeah. Uh, uh, courtesy of Yuki Tsunoda, uh, Alpha Tauri Honda, 13th. Yuki Tsunoda um, is fast becoming the a one race wonder, isn't he? Um, from Bahrain, because everything he's done, everything he's touched since then has turned to the opposite of gold, which I suppose is false gold, isn't it, really? Um, once again, despite being told to calm down, calm down, calm down, he threw it off on the first lap of qualifying. It does seem that Yuki could have done with another year in F2. Um, and I'm getting what John's face not, I got? not his surprise face. Um, so, 
the question is, are they going to spit him out? Are they going to? St- I think you will get the whole season. I don't think. But will, will they keep him on for another season? They're going to switch back to Alex Arnold Arbon. They're going to go somewhere else. They have got Yuri Vips um, potentially coming up again. But he's not really after race one done much. He's quite quick, but he's just got so he's so inconsistent, and there appears to be an issue as well where they don't think he's listening or learning. Oops. Uh, hence, the reason they moved him to Italy so they could they could effectively just monitor his every move. But we're a third of the way through. It's not good so far, but there's two thirds to go. Uh, Aston Martin. Sorry, and of course, sorry, sorry yeah, there's two yeah, of them. Yeah. And uh, Pierre Gasly maximised with a seventh, which was using that sort of t- upper midfield. It was all down to bits and bobs of, of bringing your tyres came on and came on. But again, he's doing, doing the best he can with the car he had. So again, Pierre, another good result for him. Aston Martin Mercedes, 10th and 9th. Yeah, and, and from the qualifying and the fact the car's not brilliant, and it's obviously you know, from, the, from the leaders, we saw it's a high-rake circuit, not a low-rake circuit. I think they'll be relatively pleased with that. I think they've already massively downscaled their expectations for the season. So getting both cars in the points, having Lance relatively close to Sebastian, because Lance was one another guys who really missed out with that uh, season. Um, qualifying one, Fettel's driving very, very well now. He's he's not made he made one minor mistake, which most of the drivers. Most of the drivers went off the track at some point um, with the tyres giving way underneath them. But he got ninth, probably the best he could do with the car, and he seems to have settled in quite nicely there. Um, where the push-on comes for Aston, if they, if they do get a better car next year, you're still not totally convinced that those two drivers are going to push on that much. But they're both performing very consistently to their level. Um, McLaren, Mercedes, 6th and 5th, yeah. Ricciardo and Lando. Real race winners. Again, this, they've got the situation where they don't have the third fastest car in qualifying, but they definitely have the third fastest car in most of the races. Certainly now we're outside the street races. They've, they've been faster in the, the preceding three or four races to Monaco and Baku and, and faster again. Alan Norris is driving absolutely brilliantly. Uh, still uh, significantly better than Daniel Ricciardo, who is, again, getting better. It's taking him a bit longer than some of the others, but he's catching up, catching up, catching up, getting closer. But Norris, I think, uh, I don't think I'd have many arguments from anybody saying Norris is the most improved driver this year. Hmm. Okay. Um, fourth and second, uh, Mercedes. Yeah, I mean, I think... <sighs> I don't actually think that the drivers could have done much more in the in the race. Uh, Bottas, I think... Bottas was a bit silly, I think, to try and get involved in the Verstappen-Hamilton battle when they came out of the pits. He knows he isn't that good at keeping his tyres together. So why he was following six-tenths behind Verstappen at the end of the first stop, I have no idea. Sorry, behind Hamilton, I have no idea. He's just burning his tyres up. Drop back two seconds and pick up... Because they, they didn't want him to go past. And he wasn't going to get past. Um... Lewis, I thought, drove a very... I think Lewis drove, for want of a better terminology, a perfect race. No one drives a perfect race. But a very, very good race with what he had. He kept the tyres together for as long as he could. They finally fell off the cliff with a couple of laps to go. That was it. But it came down to the fact Mercedes just didn't really get their act together outside the cockpit. I think, you know... You they could were t- outthought, weren't they? They, just, uh, I just, they, they didn't use Valtteri the way they could have. They, they should... Well... Should have let him go along. No. They, they, what, they, what they did do is they, they, got, they got that... They got that sticky torp which used to affect McLaren mm. when they were fighting the agile Ferrari um, pit wall. And I think there's always been more agility in the Red Bull pit wall. Um, you know, we've had a couple of flip flops recently, but you kind of felt they got stuck. They didn't see what was coming. The undercut thing, I think, is just one of those things. It's just they'll, they'll either it to, works or it doesn't. They have to learn. For it. They, they made a mistake. They should have put they should have put Lewis out the following lap because 
at that point, so it brought him in the foiling lap after Valtteri because it's a zero risk. Mm. Verstappen was coming in. The, one, extra, one extra lap on the tyres? It doesn't matter. So I wasn't quite sure what the point of that was um, because even if you don't do that, if you think about it, so you say, say the, the undercut doesn't work, rather than being um, three seconds ahead, which you would be, you're one second ahead. So why would you, why would you blow some of your lead? Uh, Valtteri did come in at the end for the extra stop that he'd been asking for by then. The only no, thing he didn't. Was he didn't. Uh, did he not come no, in at the end? No, this, this is the other mistake they made. So they didn't, because I, I noticed that, that Verstappen got the extra point for yes. fastest lap. And the reason being is when um, Perez finally got past uh, Valtteri, there was a, a potential issue that he might get a penalty because he, he went off track afterwards. Right. So they were hanging around waiting for this potential penalty, which interestingly... Valtteri couldn't stay within five seconds of Perez anyway, as it turned out. And it's, that, again, was a bit of strategic stupidity. The difference between uh, fourth and fifth, sorry, third and fourth, is three points. So yeah. three constructors' points. If you take the point for fastest lap off Verstappen, that's a two-point swing. Yeah. But more importantly, it takes a point away from the bloke who's trying to win the World Drivers' Championship. Yeah. So why on earth they were gambling on getting a potential swap back for Valtteri, which was which even though it wouldn't work, rather than fighting for the point, it made no sense. And again, you you sit there thinking there's too many people making a decision again. They need to streamline the decision making process, and it just reminds you so much of the worst the worst elements of McLaren. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Lewis in second place, you reckon he drew pretty well? Yeah, but once they messed up, not sure what else he could do. Really. Well, once they hadn't <laughs> stopped him. Yeah. What they had to do was leave him out there. And, and, and he got the tyres as far as anyone could get them to go. But, yeah, yeah Verstappen caught him. two laps short. It was noticed. It was about four laps. Suddenly, it just went. And the tyres went off the edge. And and said, so, oh, you shouldn't have, you should have swerved to try and punt him off. No. Oh, no. If, you're, if, you're, if your tyres are two seconds slower. And don't forget that the Red Bull was way better set up for overtaking because it was faster down the straight anyway Correct. before DRS. What's the point? What's the point of just swerving to get overtaken anyway? Uh, third and first for Perez and Verstappen yeah, for Red great. Bull Racing. Honda, of course, everybody's seeing if they can win here, they can win anywhere. They're a true force yeah. to be reckoned yeah. with. Do you subscribe to that now? Yeah, I, didn't, I, did, I never didn't. I think, I think that they've had the fastest car in more races They've all. I think just about every single Saturday they've had the fastest car. I think they've got a better car of one lap and a better car on the softer tyres. It's been nip and tuck on race pace, and this one could have gone either way. But they, um, got, I say got lucky, who knows. They did a better job at the first pit stop to get ahead, and then they were, I think they were brave in, in pulling the two stop. I think mm. that, was, that was a brave decision. And well, they I made it early. Yeah, and they and committed again, to it. They did, I, if you're going to do it, and they only did, it. and they did it because they had because finally they had Perez doing what their second driver needed to do. And I even, thought that was one of Perez's best races. Well, he was off the pace of the others, but it didn't matter because because he played the, he played the six, he played the fifty three lap run, and and he he realizes his he job is to, to his do. job is to beat Valtteri. Absolutely. That's his job, and to. You know, which and he's on done. the screen in front of us, it says you know Perez. And third I would say, and people criticizing Max that little. Jiggle the, on the start of the uh, first lap. Well, there's wind, and then, you know, so fine, yeah. So he again, and then he drove beautifully. He drove beautifully for, for after that first corner. We've got two really good drivers driving really, really well. And the reason that that the one and one and one them didn't was his teammate and his team. Yeah. Next up, double header. Double header, Austria. Austria. We started with Syria and then go to Austria. Uh, a complete trip of no miles, Stein, no, no Stein. yards. 
Lagen, Hagen. Yeah, and and the and the feeling is that Red Bull could again be the favourites, but it doesn't. Given the fact that that Mercedes won both the races last year there, um, but it should be good this weekend because it's definitely going to rain. And that should throw it right up in the air. Okay. Uh, Nick, stay with us into the second half. We'll do some uh, bike news, MotoGP and uh, BSB. Quick note about what follows us tonight. Today is the 30th anniversary to the day, if you're listening live on the 23rd of June, of Mazda winning Le Mans. First manufacturer to do so from Japan. Still the only manufacturer who have done it with a non-piston-engined car. I was uh, kind enough, uh, Mazda UK were kind enough to ask me to a celebration of that event uh, last week uh, and thoroughly enjoyed it. And you can hear the interview that I did with Ollie Jarvis about Le Mans and about Mazda winning Le Mans. Also a bit of IMSA news in there as well. That comes up after midweek motorsport tonight where the time is nine o'clock and... Now, let me very quickly see if I can get an update to prove that we are live up at Three Sisters. Oh, it's bad news for Team Bernardo. They've dropped down to fourth position with 33 minutes to go as we head into the second half. Oh, sorry. You caught me off guard there. It's Midweek Motorsport. And here's what's coming up. Come on, Mark. We really need you to be more professional uh, than that. Uh, well, we've uh, I've mentioned a couple of things we've got going. Uh, we, we will have Mike Peters. Uh, he's in Colorado Springs at the moment, getting ready for Pike's Peak. We've got some live sound and vision coverage of that on Sunday with myself, Johnny, and Bruce. Mike Peters uh, at the head of the champion Porsche effort and uh, we've also got hopefully on the line ben constantiris from kenya for the safari rally your submissions at specutainment but next it's a father and son combination who are taking the motorsport world by storm on RadioLeMond.com. well delighted to say that joining us uh, for our nine o'clock feature this week, which is not really the big interview. We're going to call this meet the Magnusons because we have Jan uh, and Kevin with us. Let's start with, with Jan. Jan, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Feeling great. Driving race cars. Everything's good. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about this uh, this fabulous project with you and your boy, heading to Le Mans for, for 2021. How did all that come about? Well, uh, it came about because uh, um, as I'm doing the whole WEC series with uh, with high-class racing, uh, and they uh, somehow ended up with an extra entry for Le Mans. And uh, when I heard about that, I gave Kevin a call and said, hey, look, should we, should we try and see if we can make it happen this time? We've been trying to to make this happen for 10 years now um, with no success. So uh, we agreed we, uh, we should give it a go and see if we could get some uh, big Danish companies involved and uh, uh, raise some interest uh, for, for this project. And, and as it turned out, you know, a lot of people thought that and had heard about our dream for so long uh, that obviously it's still hard work, but it was quite easy to get people interested and get people to... To, to sign on and support this program. Uh, 
it's not easy, but man, it's been uh, so far. It's been uh, worth all the hard work. What is it about Le Mans that takes you back? You've driven there. You've driven pretty much everywhere. You've achieved so much in your career. Hell's teeth. I remember talking to you at Silverstone very many years ago when you were driving for Jaguar in in Formula One at our then Autosport encampment. You, you've you've done motorsport. Why do you want to keep going back to somewhere like Le Mans? Um, I don't know. To, to begin with, uh, for me, at the very beginning, my first Le Mans was in '99. And uh, I wasn't a big fan of it uh, uh, back then to begin with. It never really crossed my mind. Uh, I'd spent so much time um, in single-seaters, thinking about Formula One, being in Formula One and all this. So so when that was over and I went to America to do sports cars, I didn't go there because it gave me the chance to do Le Mans. It was just a, a part of, uh, it was just a part of the program. So it wasn't special to me. But it only took me, you know, one time at Lamar to find out how special that place is and how big and how uh, difficult that 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 race is uh, and how much effort it takes uh, to 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 love it and now you know ever since then it's been uh, absolutely the highlight of uh, of the year going to Lamar knowing how hard it's going to be to have any kind of success um, the first few years I was there with Panos. There was no success, but just a lot of hard work. <laughs> but uh, but it was still special. It still um, gave a good idea of how difficult this race is and how hard it is to have to have success, which I started having when I uh, joined Corvette Racing and and um, and had had wins there, won three in a row and 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 one after that again. So it's just and uh, around that time was when Kevin was old enough that we could. Uh, you know, start dreaming about maybe we could do this together someday. Uh, so that's why this year will be extra, extra special. Finally, we're doing it. Uh, uh, if, if you if you wouldn't mind, I'll have a quick chat with, with Kevin, because I know he's there uh, with you in the, the high-class uh, tests. Yeah. Kevin, thanks very much for for joining us. So how old were you then when, when Jan there and your dad there saying, you know, started to build this dream what do you remember about that going to Le Mans and watching your dad race yeah I think I don't know I must have been around 10 10 or 12 or something so um, the first time I went to Le Mans uh, I guess but uh, you know I've, I've I've always just been you know uh, every all about racing really that's that's been my whole world uh, my whole life as, as as long as I can remember, so you know I I love going to to Le Mans and uh, I've always you know as I guess m- many boys you you look up to your dad and you know what he does is is cool and you know it's always awesome to go and uh, and, and watch my dad racing. So I mean, and then later on, uh, once I you know became a professional race driver as well, I think it's it it just it was so obvious that we that we had the opportunity to go and do Le Mans together. My dad is, is very young. You know, he's a young dad. He's only 46, something 40, like that. 40, we'll say 46. Okay, 48. <laughs> um, still, still young and, you know, uh, there is an opportunity to actually be father and son and, you know, not only do it just for, for fun, but actually be uh, still both professional, active 
uh, racing drivers and um you know go and do it together like like you know full on which i think is is really cool you love a challenge kevin we've seen that in the last couple of uh, weekends and with your career choices uh, as well jumping uh, out of your first poll and your first win at detroit congratulations by the way in the imsa weathertech sports Thanks. car championship we'll talk about that in a wee moment uh super sub at the weekends at road america only one of the toughest circuits ever and jumping into the IndyCar. Congratulations on your performance there. I know you didn't get the results that you wanted. So, you know, Le Mans and, and sports cars, obviously perfect fit. And, and just another challenge for you? Yeah, I mean, at this at this point in time, I'm just enjoying myself really, you know. <laughs> Not that I haven't been enjoying myself uh, earlier on, but I think it's, you know, it's been I've been very focused on Formula One and very sort of... Uh, in in that world you know um of course I've, I've been as i said i've been watching my dad racing but i haven't been focused on on anything else than formula one for myself mm. um so now being able to do all these different things is just a lot of fun you know and i'm and i'm i'm just enjoying uh experiencing new tracks and new cars and you know i feel very uh i feel super lucky and and uh, privileged to be able to to go and and have this much fun, you know, and and uh, and drive all these different cool cars. So uh, it's it's a pretty awesome time at the moment. Coming out of the the Formula One world, which is so intense, jumping into IMSA and the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship at Daytona. Do you think it helped you from a practical point of view, a mental point of view, that you knew? IMSA racing from being I've, I've seen you at the, at the tracks down through the years when your dad was, was racing with General Motors and, and with Corvette was that a help that at least you knew if you like the character of of that type of racing yeah I mean I, I do think it, it helps um, I, I kind of know you know uh, first of all I know, I know a few people in the paddock already and, and then you know, just going there and, and, you know, knowing the atmosphere and kind of, uh, it's, I, there's a, a little bit of a, a feel like, it feels like home a little bit when, when, when I go there. So it's not completely new. Of course, the car is new, the tracks, I need to get to know them. But, you know, it sounds weird, but even because I've watched it on television for, for so many years, I feel like I know most of the tracks already. You know, it's always difficult or different when you go and, and, and drive it, you know, drive it yourself in real life. But, there's there's a little bit of a you know I'm a little bit prepared because I've kind of uh, watched it for so many years. My dad's been racing in in America for 20 years or more. I don't I think it's around that. So it's mm. it's um, it's a lot of years that I've kind of been aware of uh, of the sport over there, and it's it's fun to go and and do it myself. You know, and go and drive all these tracks that I've been watching for so many years. My dad race at and and uh, and and do the same kind of racing. I really enjoy it. What has been the biggest challenge for you, Kevin, in, in stepping into the sports car world? Obviously, the cars are a lot heavier, not as dynamic as, as what you've been used to. There's more of them. It's multi-class. There's all kinds of overtaking going on. You're at the sharp end of the field. You're setting the pace. You're setting poles. You're winning races. What's been the hardest thing for you to get your head around? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, there, there, there was a, a couple of things that, uh, you know, especially at Daytona, <clears throat> coming into a 24-hour race straight away. My first endurance race was uh, was was that 24 hours of Daytona, and uh, 
I think just the mentality of, of starting a race and having to, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing the car flat out, but you have to still, you know, look 24 hours forward and, and, and make sure you, you get, you know, in, in good shape for, for, for the, you know, for the last lap, which is 24 hours away. So I think the mentality of that and, and just not weighing up how much risk to take in, in, in the early part of the, of a 24 hour race and, you, you, you feel a lot different, you know, when I'm, I'm very accustomed to starting the race and it then absolutely hammering it, you know, and, and taking risk at the beginning and, you know, the first lap of the race and sprint racing is, is just different. And um, just, you know, adjusting to that, I think was, was probably the biggest thing. It went okay, but, you know, uh, it just felt a lot different. And, um, and then there's all the traffic, you know, with the slower cars, which actually I find really enjoyable. It's it's kind of uh, in, in Formula One and I guess other sprint series. You 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 kind of you start the race and it's very intense on the first laps when everyone's close together. But then it settles and you kind of fall into a rhythm and you're just kind of trying to be fast and consistent and look after your tires and 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 it's a little more quiet when when you're racing with GTs that you're overtaking several times a lap. You, you can never really fully fall into this rhythm. Yes. So you're always you're always aware. You're always thinking and 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 you know um, adapting to different situations because every every GT is in a in a you know there's a different kind of driver in there and and they they can be a little unpredictable. So it's 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 very intense. So in in some ways more intense and then for for 24 hours. Wow. Wow. Okay. Great. Uh, Jan. Uh, How's how have you found this season so far in the very competitive P2 category with with high class? It, it seems as though I look through that field and pretty much probably eighty percent, maybe more, could get on the podium. And it seems to me that fifty percent of that category in WEC could probably win the race. It's super competitive. Yes, very much so. So uh, after all, uh, after all these. Uh... Yes, in GT cars, I, I did have some. Uh, I did have to relearn uh, driving a prototype. Uh, it's very different with the with the downforce and uh, just how you drive it and what you can get away with. Um, uh, so it's been a little little bit of a uh, of a learning curve, but I, I I feel like I'm I'm in the groove now and I kind of know what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to be doing. But uh, it is a new challenge. It's tough. And like you said, it's very competitive. So uh, yeah, it's just uh, uh, you know it's hard work, uh, but it's all of it is fun. And uh, you know, I just I wish there was. It's only six races, should be twelve. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's how it is. Uh, but I'm really loving it. And uh, obviously, with this extra program with Kevin, uh, it just makes it uh, absolutely fantastic. I love, and I think our listeners will love to hear the enthusiasm that you've still got as a pro driver who, as I said before, has done so much. It sounds just like this new challenge of going back into downforce cars, back into prototype racing, yeah. Jan, has has really almost invigorated your interest again. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's uh, like I said, it's a new challenge uh, that I've, Last time I drove a, a prototype similar to this was in 2003, <laughs> so it's uh, 
that's quite a long time ago. But oh my goodness! Feel, yeah, but it does does feel uh, very similar actually to the Audi R8 that I drove. Was uh, was a fantastic, probably the best prototype at the time. Mm. And uh, but the P2 cars with how everything has developed, um, it feels pretty similar to what I drove back then. So it's not completely alien, but but I'm loving it. It's uh, it's fantastic. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn to stay off the curbs because in the Corvette, you, if you see a curb, you you have to hit it, <laughs> and then and this thing knocks you unconscious if you do it. <laughs> so hitting curbs is the Magnuson way, though. Anything I've, I remember seeing you driving all sorts of things down through the years. You do like a bit of curb, yeah? You know? It's fair to say. Uh, it's not only curbs, though. Just try and hit something. <laughs> you can't do that nowadays. You really, you really can't do that nowadays. I'm interested at in what you've said there about the, the current crop of P2s and, and yeah. going back sort of 17 years or so, 18 years to the, the R8. I was looking at some lap times the other day with, with Kevin uh, and the DPI cars in IMSA. And the sort of times that they're doing in qualifying now are actually not far off of a, a, a good or a lap record race time that the Audis and the Peugeots were doing with a thousand horsepower plus and loads more downforce and, and big tyres and, and such like that. So so these LMP2 cars right now, Jan, they're proper race cars, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. So there's been an adjustment for for, for this year with uh, they took some power away and it's mandatory to run the Le Mans kit. Mm. Uh, to, to to slow them down a little bit, but it's um, it is a it's a, uh, a a cool, fun, brutal race car. Um, it, it has there's a way to drive it. There's a way to get the most out of it. Um, so uh, I expect it'll take a little, little a little more time before I'm uh, uh, I'm feeling completely at one with it. But uh, I'm close. I feel good, uh, and it's. Uh, it's a new challenge, uh, but I'm I'm loving it. And Kevin driving the Chip Ganassi, the zero one uh, Cadillac DPI, um, that obviously is based on an LMP2 backbone, a chassis, um, but very different in terms of the engine, the suspension, the the aero. Has have you been able to transfer some of the skills from your early the early part of your IMSA career into into what you? going to be doing for Le Mans later on in the year? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, yesterday jumping into this car, it, it felt, you know, it felt pretty pretty similar to uh, to the DPI. The, the DPI has a bit more power and it has more downforce. Uh, the tyres have more grip um, in, in IMSA, so there are some, some uh, differences, but, you know, overall the way the car behaves, you know, it's the same type of car as you said, the chassis is the same um, uh, so you know, there's a lot of similarities, and 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 it's not too different. Um, it's more just you know the details, getting getting this car set up right. You know, there's there's a lot of differences. This is an Orica, the one I drive in with the Cadillac is a is a Delara. So there are quite a few differences, like technically in the details, but um, driving it felt pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. I I guess it's like open open wheel different chassis manufacturers you know ultimately in the good old days i would say when there was different chassis manufacturers in f3 etc they were all still an f3 car they all had their little foibles but just uh, slight mm. detail differences i've got to talk to you about detroit kevin if you don't mind uh first of all the track um 
I, obviously, I, ha, I I watch all of it because we're we're commentating on it for for IMSA Radio and TV. Um, the onboards at Detroit are extraordinary. Quite often on TV, we say that they don't convey the true nature of the track. Um, Detroit looked so bumpy this year. It looked so narrow this year. It almost looked like you were about to have an accident at every corner, particularly in qualifying. What was it like for the driver's seat? Yeah, the same. I mean, it, 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 at some points of the track, you're, you're literally all four wheels off the track. You know, it's more of a rally stage than a, a race lap. So uh, I really, I, I really enjoy that part as well. You know, going to these tracks in America, they're all completely unique, and they're not. They, you know, many of them haven't been updated for yes. decades, and it just they have so much character. You know, there's there's uh, there's not a a corner that's you know the same uh, over a lap or uh, different tracks. They're all completely unique and uh, just you know old school and, and challenging <laughs> so i think you know you you really have to drive the car you really have to um you, you need to apply different driving styles and you know uh, it's it's a real challenge wherever you go and, and and i really enjoy that bit too qualifying was superb as i say that which meant you started the race um handed off to renga obviously to to finish it off but that first stint Tell me about that first stint, because you looked like you, the Cadillac, and the track were completely, to use a phrase your dad's just used, about getting up to speed with the high-class car, you were completely at one. That was, I mean, was that as close to a perfect stint as you could get on a circuit like that? I mean, we, we had we had very good pace, and I think, um, yeah, the weekend just ran very smooth, and we were happy with the car straight away, so you can you can start, you know, you're not... You're not changing the car around too much so every when you get back in for the next session you know what to expect from the car and you can just build your build on your driving instead of uh, testing setups etc so i think in that regard the weekend just ran very smooth um and yeah we were able to get pole position and and win the race uh, which was which was awesome i think we've had good pace all year yeah right from you know we put the car on track in daytona we were you know straight away very competitive and um i think it's very impressive chip canessi racing put together put this program together in a in a hurry at mm. the end of last year and um you know haven't had much time to look at things and they just put a competitive car on, on track right, right away which i think was uh was great not that i expected any different but um it, it's been really fun and you know i just love driving these cars they're, they're super quick you know detroit we were only a couple of seconds off IndyCar lap times. Yes. Um, I don't think we would have qualified last in IndyCar if we had, uh, took the DPI into quali- IndyCar qualifying. So that's that's pretty impressive. You know, we have a lot a lot less power than IndyCar. We have a much heavier car. So there's really some downforce in this and, and some grip. Um, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to drive. And how did you find, I should say, by the way, um, racing at Detroit is, a, is something I'm not sure if your dad ever did because with the normally with the Le Mans class, uh, clash, um, the, the Corvette certainly didn't go there. And, and in the Pernos years, we he, won't. I think he did. He won it. Did you win it? <laughs> oh, I'm very sorry, Jack. When was that? Then? What was that in? Was that in the Pernos? In the GT1 class. Of course. Yeah. Of, yes, of, I, I heartily apologise and I will beat myself no, senseless. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
an important win for, for Chip Ganassi, Kevin, um, given everything that's happening at the moment with everybody looking forward to 2023 and the new LMDHs. So congrats on ticking up the first W for them. And then you get the short call to go to Elkhart Lake and, and Road America, two more different circuits, by the way, you could probably not have selected um, if, you'd, if you'd tried. How was it getting to grips with the Indy car then? Yeah, it was a handful. I mean, uh, it, it, I knew it was going to be a massive challenge jumping in, you know, straight into a race weekend. Uh, Indica don't have a lot of practice uh, before qualifying. There's actually, there's three practices, but one of the last practices after qualifying. So, you know, yeah. makes it even harder. So I had, I had basically four runs in the car, four times five laps <laughs> to, uh, to, to get ready for qualifying. And, uh, you know, when you have that little amount of time, you, you can't really take a lot of risk so you have you're having to build up even like slower and take smaller steps because you don't want to waste time by going in the gravel or you know pushing the limits too much so it was a real challenge and the end guy is a big handful to drive especially in high speed corners the thing just moves around a lot and there's no power steering so the steering wheel is is super heavy and um yeah it was it was a big uh, big challenge but i loved it you know it it was an awesome experience and, you know, one of these things that I just enjoy now, you know, in life after Formula One, being able to do these things and say yes to, to opportunities like that. Um, of course, it was uh, not the best set circumstances with Felix being not being able to race after his crash, but, you know, uh, still I enjoyed the, the, the experience. Uh, and a positive experience, it sounds like, all right, not the result, as we said earlier, uh, Hopefully, Felix will be back as soon as is possible. But that's a, a, um, a was a nasty accident that he had. Um, are you in the frame? Do you know if you're in the frame for for another crack at it? Oh, who knows? I mean, uh, I know I know what you know. I'm I'm racing with Post Show next year and uh, in the, in the future. So, you know, I know that much. But um, you know, you never know in motorsport what what sort of opportunities come come your way. So. Uh, as I said, I'm just loving it at the moment and, and really enjoying myself and uh, having a lot of fun. So that's all, really. Well, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching you uh, and uh, the, the entertainment that everybody put on. Who doesn't love racing at Road America? Let's be, let's be honest, one of my favourite tracks yeah, for sure. that, that, that we go to. Um, Jan, I'll finish off with you if, if you don't mind. Um, always a difficult question to, to answer, the one I'm about to pose to you, but you know me, I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, looking forward to Le Mans in August. It'll be a little bit different uh, in terms of its atmosphere yeah. with some fans, but not a full house, but at least some fans, not the quite sterile atmosphere we had in September last year. Possibly very hot or possibly very rainy at that time of the year in that part, part of France. Do you set yourself any targets? I mean, I, I've known you for a long time. I've never known you going to any race weekend without thinking you could win. Dare you even no. consider that for Le Mans? I think, I think you, we have to go in with high expectations. Uh, we're doing everything we can to do this absolutely right. Uh, high-class racing as a great team. They know what they're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, the driving lineup is uh, is very strong. Uh, so anything can happen, both good and bad. But uh, our, we, we, we go to Le Mans with the, uh, with the goal of doing the very best we can. Uh, and if, 
you know, it, it's it sounds so cheeky that you say you're going there to win, but but I, I, I think everybody goes there to try and win it. Uh, we're definitely doing everything we can to prepare ourselves the best we can to win. And is there a potential with the, the new top class, uh, LMH, um, being very new, is there a potential with these LMP2 cars, particularly if they've been turned down? I know they're a bit heavier, which is going to cause some issues, uh, particularly probably yeah. braking issues uh, at, at Le Mans for, for the LMP2s. But is there a potential that you guys in LMP2, whether it's you or one of the other teams, could get amongst the podium overall or, or even better? We saw it in 2017, didn't we, with Jota? Yeah. No, I think uh, I think that's a real possibility this year just because the LMH cars are, are, are new and, and not as... Uh, um, robust and re- reliable as uh, as they would like them to be. So yeah, there's an opportunity, but it's uh, you know we go there to try and do the best we can in in, uh, in LMP2. Uh, and if something more happens, great. Yeah, <laughs> if, it if, if, if if not, <laughs> then that's fine too. Yeah, exactly. So final question for you, Kevin, and thank you both by the way for the time. I know how busy you are you. At, at the moment. Um, this one is a bit tongue-in-cheek, Kevin. How come you've got all the Magnuson hair uh, everywhere? I mean, you, you you look like a proper Viking, mate. Uh, you should be in <laughs> s- some kind of superhero film. <laughs> Fantastic at the moment, mate. Yeah, my, my mum is pretty hairy, so uh, <laughs> it must be her genes. She's, she's got all the good hair genes, has she? Okay, that, that seems reasonable. More seriously, Kevin, to finish off, off with you, are you looking forward to Le Mans, and particularly Le Mans with your dad? I suppose in some respects it's the ultimate, as we would say in the UK, ultimate dad and lad weekend? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be a blast, you know, to to uh, hang out with your dad and, and do this sort of thing is, is very privileged, you know. So uh, already now we're in Motorland testing and it's uh, it's really great fun. So uh, I can't wait. Guys, thank you very much. Good luck with the test. Uh, Jan, good luck with the rest of WE season. Kevin, good luck with the rest of the uh, IMSA season. And uh, we'll obviously be talking about you at, at Watkins Glen uh, on another classic uh, US circuit. Uh, thanks for being part of Midweek Motorsport and this special edition of Meet the Magnusons. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Meet the Magnusons there, then. Not sure how much legs that one has got as a, as a feature. Maybe we should have called it Keeping Up with the Magnusons, as the responsible adult has uh, just mentioned. Tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, uh, we have... Tomorrow night, uh, 8 o'clock, excuse me, we have the Simcast kicking off our Thursday evening. This week, it's Ben and Lewis. They'll be previewing the recently announced Bentley Fanatec wheel, which will be used in the Bentley Continental Pikes Peak car, coming soon to what they describe as opulent sim rigs uh, everywhere. Uh, there's a Tazcar Tour preview, and they'll be looking at how the reigning DTM esports champion, Morris Lerner, got on in his real racing debut at, at Monza in the DTN, DTM Trophy. Also looking at the recently announced eNASCAR International Series, and uh, Lewis will be doing a Le Mans-themed set of track tests. That kicks off Thursday evening, tomorrow evening, on RS1, 8 o'clock UK. Right, let's uh, head back to one of our 
regular correspondents now and from Kenya, delighted to say that Ben Constant-Juris joins us at, uh, well, far too late uh, in the evening, getting on towards uh, midnight over there at the moment. Ben, thanks for being with us. Kenyan Safari Rally, back on the World Rally calendar. Man, I'm I'm very envious. Did you ever think you'd, you'd be going to this event in your lifetime? Absolutely. 19 years since the last time WRC visited uh, Kenya. The, the event has continued uh, as the uh, equator rally for a few years, and they've had local rallying here. But obviously, having to step up to quite a different style of rally now that it has to fit into the FIA directives, shorter stages than ever before, closed roads. Remember back 19 years ago, there were open roads. You were passing uh, trucks and and cows on the road uh, and so uh, yeah a very very different uh, event and absolutely cannot wait to to get it started we had shakedown this morning so we've had a little taster already uh, yeah as you say a different character but very much with centralized servicing and and, and much more of a, a standardized rally as wr now see it is now but in terms of the challenge still ver- very much right up there ben and coming out of uh, another, uh, in part, relatively rough rally in Sardinia. Y- you've got to say that the, the Hyundai team have got to be looking at their reliability at the moment. Their i20 Coupe WRC is quick, it's fast, but it's tended to be fragile. Yeah, it has. You definitely don't want to abuse it, which has to be a question mark and a worry for them all coming here to Kenya because uh, rear suspension braking quite simply for Oitanak last time out. Mm. Uh, we've had a front suspension breakage for Oliver Solberg this morning in shakedown. Oh. Uh, he hit a tree stump uh, and it broke the front suspension. And so he didn't get any shakedown runs in at all. Um, so they don't think that this is going to be the the roughest rally of the year. They still believe that the Acropolis rally, another new one coming up in September, is going to be rougher because it's more rocks uh, here. It's ruts, but it's sandy ruts. So it'll still be a very rough surface. And Michel Moton spoke to me this morning to say that they have graded the road. They've taken some of the worst of it out. But she said, I didn't want to grade the road to a European standard. I wanted to keep Good. the character of Kenya. And therefore, it is still going to be rough, but it's not as rough as perhaps having boulders being spat on into the underside of the car like we see in Turkey and Greece. Yeah, I, I, that was, yeah, that, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged that Michelle has said that. Uh, another win last time out for Stefan, Stefan, for Sebastian Auger uh, in the Yaris, a 1-2 uh, with uh, Toyota's team, Gazoo, the, the rally team with Elvin Evans in second. That means those two are top of the table. Auger now by, what, uh, 11 points. Evans second. Uh, he's on 95 to the 106 of the leader. Thierry Neville back in third on 77. Is the old road sweeping thing then, given what you've just said, uh, Ben, going to be as uh, as important here uh, with the, the conditions on the stages? You see, it's not a hard base here for the most part. What you The worst of it is in Sardinia and Portugal and places like that, where you've got a really hard base, but then you've just got a soft top. And that's where your road sweeping becomes really, really um, effective. 
And, you know, <laughs> Sebastian Auger should never have won Sardinia. From first on the road, he had no, no right at all to. Um, and it's just a measure of the man that he just kept his head, did what he could. He always does what he can yeah. without overstepping the mark. And so he did what he could on Friday. The Toyotas, uh, the, the Hyundais fell away. The Fords really aren't quite at the ability to, to, to fight. And the doors just opened for Toyota yeah. and they rubbed their hands with joy. Is it going to be the same in Kenya? I think it'll be... Interestingly, the road, the shakedown road, got 10 seconds faster between the wow. first pass and the, uh, the third pass. So after 30 passes, we haven't got a great big field of cars here. It was 10 seconds faster across a 5.4-kilometre stage. Wow. Um, so, two, two seconds so, a kilometre. You're kidding me. Yeah, huge, huge, huge differences. So we're going to see faster stages and second pass. And I think it's because ruts, the ruts are forming so deep that actually you're able to carry more speed just by sitting in the ruts like a, tra like a train. Um, how we will, we've got one WRC2 competitor, five or six WRC3 competitors. They have a, a narrow track, so they'll change the way that those tram lines sit in the road. I don't think the effect will be quite so big, but anyway... Um, I don't think road sweeping is going to be such a big thing. I think actually survival, like the old Kenya days, Good. like the old safari rally, survival. Well, and that's, in some respects, Ben, that's not what happened, of course, in, in the last rally with, you know, about half, possibly even more, of the WRC cars hitting trouble and, and dropping well out of contention. All right, it was 46 seconds between the two first and second Toyota Yaris, uh, and then uh, another 20 seconds back to Neuville, uh, then five minutes back. And then after that, we were into <laughs> WRC 2s and WRC 3s. I mean, quite an extraordinary attrition rate. And, and, and I'm with such a small field, I'm, I'm quite worried. Are we going back to the old days here where this could be won win by minutes and not seconds? Well, the gap between our top 10 WRC cars in shakedown was seven or eight seconds, something like that. Um, if you t discount Lorenzo Bertelli, uh, who didn't get a decent run in at all, I don't think. He punctured a radiator, um, jumping over a jump, actually with a VIP as his co-driver. Because every so often in shakedown, we take VIPs. And the, the cabinet minister for sport here in Kenya ended up alongside him when he got his uh, water leak. So. She, she, they retired halfway through the stage and she was airlifted out of the stage because there was obviously no way to drive her out. Uh, and uh, so they, and they, she had no security either. Um, so they had to get the helicopter in to take her out. Uh, just it. one of those classic things that, you know, would never happen anywhere else. But here in, in Safari, like having uh, the, you know how we have the zero, zero, zero car, the zero car and the double zero car yeah. uh, to check the road, to check them, the uh, safety of the tracks. We also have a zero helicopter as well that will go through the stage Brilliant. before the triple zero car, which is 20 minutes before, and that will be clearing the wildlife away if there's yeah. any uh, wildlife hustled in, in hedges and stuff like that. I love it. I love it. So, who? I mean, Toyota have a phenomenal reputation in, in the part of the world that you're in at the moment. Um, Ford, they've got history on this rally going back to when Malcolm Wilson was first running the WRC team and, of course, with Colin McRae uh, winning 
uh, on numerous occasions out there when it was the, the longer the distance. But surely Toyota have got to come into this with Ogier and, and Evans as as favourites and maybe even uh, Katsuta as well. I don't think Katsuta can get himself a win, but I think he's capable of getting a podium. Mm. And he seems to be developing that mentality that both Ogier and Evans have of just doing what you can, doing enough without yeah. overstepping the mark. Um, definitely, as you say, question marks over the Hyundai reliability, um, but or he desperately, desperately needs a win to keep his championship alive. So did, effectively, really, so does Thierry after his uh, misdemeanors. So you would hope that Hyundai have done something, um, whether it be to tell the drivers to not push so hard, Remember, I had a huge advantage when he got his problem. Did he have to be as aggressive on the car? Um, it's, it's a really difficult one to predict, actually, because I, I think the, the, the secret lies in the, in the rally. You're, this is not necessarily a rally between competitors. This is competitors huh. versus stage. Love it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, very good. And that and that's exactly what I think of when I think of, of this rally uh, going back. Gus Greensmith still on the hunt for his first stage victory. Um, as we said, the Fords, they've had a, a few reliability issues as well, notably electronics, but it's going to be hot. It's going to be dusty. It's going to be unpleasant. Um, but he'll keep trying because he absolutely desperately wants a stage victory. And he did well last time he had Chris Patterson alongside him, remember? Good point. Um, he missed out with Chris in uh, two rallies ago. Stuart Loudon sat alongside him. Uh, but he was strong with, um, with Chris. He said to me at the end of the stage this morning, it's going to be a long rally. Uh, I think he'll be looking for his teammate, Adrian Formo, who again comes from this French mentality of a measured approach. Formo was supposed to be a surgeon. He was studying to be a surgeon before he gave that up to be a WRC driver. So he definitely has their head on him and the brains on him uh, to approach this correctly. Um, I think, you know, they should be sweeping up the, the remainder of the podium positions if we get a big attrition and if they are wise with their performance. And we didn't see Formo, was it last time out we didn't see Formo? Yeah, yeah last time out we missed him. And obviously, Simo Sunan retired on one of the first stages again having done that in Monte Carlo. So Formo is a new hope for M-Sport, that's for sure. Uh, we wish you all the best. I'm very, very envious. It's a part of the, the world I've not been to. Uh, I, I, well, in fact, I know that for most of the drivers and co-drivers there, it's the same. I, I like what... I'm very encouraged, and I'll be having it all on the DVR over the weekend because I'm encouraged that this is going to be a proper endurance uh, rally uh, ha- take care, mate, and uh, and enjoy. Got one more you? picture for you, John. Right. One more picture as I drove back to the hotel this evening. Uh, as we were getting to the hotel junction, my driver, because we have drivers here, because actually the driving is quite special, um, stopped in the middle of the road. And I, I wanted to know why. And he said, look to your left. And there was a zebra crossing the road. Oh, uh, Very good. Very good. Actually, actually happened to me. Ah, that is that is a fabulous moment. A fabulous moment. An actual zebra crossing. Uh, ben, thanks very much. Uh, all of our listeners are tremendously envious. It's getting late. Get yourself to bed. Full day uh, on uh, uh, on Friday, Saturday. Is there a stage on Thursday as well, did I say? Yeah, super special stage on Thursday, side by side. You haven't seen that for a while. Ah, oh, great. All right. Well, that kicks things off on Thursday uh, and then follow the coverage at wrc.com uh, or on your local channel. Ben, thanks very much, mate. 
Have a good one. Cheers, John. Bye-bye. Uh, this weekend, the 99th running of the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. We'll have live coverage on radio-show.co.uk. Bruce Jones, Johnny Palmer and me, John Hindorf, uh, looking after that, courtesy of Mobile One. Delighted to say that from, well, I presume Colorado Springs, Mike Peters from Champion Porsche is with us. Hello, Mike. How are you getting used to the altitude? <laughs> Hello, John. Pretty good. Pretty good. Surviving it. It definitely uh, is is different than uh, what we're used to back in South Florida. So you guys are absolutely sea level creatures. So going up to uh, six plus thousand uh, meter uh, feet, rather above sea level, just for where you're staying. Never mind before you get to the start line. That that's that's a culture shock, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. We were we were okay at the start line area, but. Today, as we worked from the upper level, it, uh, it was a bit harder. Tell me about this project. You've managed to snag Romain Dumas, who is the fastest man uh, in the race to the clouds ever, with a 757.1 uh, in that crazy uh, full EV uh, Volkswagen a few years ago. And you bunged him into a, a club sport rs 911 how's it how's it all going it's going pretty well i mean we've done uh, quite a bit of testing we were out here in may and actually did some work on the mountain at that time and uh that helped us we, we weren't able to get as far along as we would have liked to due to the weather conditions but um it was good to uh get a shot at a little bit of what it's all about but as early as the sessions are, um, they're quick, and uh, there's um, you got you got to be prepared, and and you know we're learning as we're going, and and trying not to miss any sessions um, as they move along pretty quickly from each uh, sector of the course because they break it up into threes. Tell me about the car because the last time that we spoke, when uh, you and Mitra Mirage were were on the the line to us, we were talking about you probably. St- stepping up a class which you which you have done you've gone into time attack and that gives you the opportunity to do some more tinkering shall we say in a very champion way what 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 can you tell us about the changes you've made and and what effect that's had on the performance of the car i mean aerodynamically uh, i would say that's the biggest changes that we made uh, most mostly everything else is close to original. I mean, we work with the brakes, we work with the suspension, and we work with the performance uh, with the engine and so forth, um, which is also important. And, and uh, it's got to breathe just like we do at the altitude. So, um, but the aero uh, package um, that we put on the car to help us in that thin air uh, seems to be working pretty well. Um, we're pretty comfortable with it. We really don't know where we are other than we seem to be close yesterday to the Bentley, which is, I think, a good uh, a good benchmark. Um, for sure that in our class it is. So. And in terms of Roman, who, of course, remarkably, we discussed this, didn't we, has never pulled on the champion overalls before. He just didn't quite get into the time frame where you guys were, were running at the top level of endurance motorsport. How's he fitted in with the team and, and how's he and everyone else uh, getting to grips with how near hands with, with H, the famous H? 
Yes, it's it's going pretty good. I mean, um, Rama is certainly one that's comfortable here at at the track. He's been here a number of years, so he he knows way more than we do. So we're learning a lot from him, and he's you know he's cracking the whip a little bit to make sure we get a few things done that he knows we could miss or make a mistake with. Um, and uh, I would say that you know he and H are working together and trying to uh, come up with a good good plan. But even for H, it's a different environment because normally you're setting up for a flat track, maybe some elevation, and you're uh, going to run multiple laps, ultimately stents. Whereas here, it's quick sessions of, you know, three plus or minus minutes in a sector, and uh, you're back down and you're making a quick change and you're trying to get back out in 15 minutes. And it's all for a sector that is not even enough of the track to really put a lap together to see what you think you might be doing when you get to the event. I like the fact you're mentioning it like a racetrack, a lap, you say there. If you you took out the Nürburgring and cut it off and basically laid it somewhere up a mountain, it would be about the same sort of length as as Pike's Peak. But with the Nürburgring, at least you get to do, as you've said, laps. You guys don't have uh, that opportunity here. And so, you know, you're up on the mountain from half an hour before you go to bed till uh, the sun comes up and, what, three three and a bit hours. And, and you're probably looking to get, what, a couple or three runs in, in that time on each of the sectors? Yeah, I think today, uh, just just a few hours ago, we we were able to get four in. Yesterday, I think we got five. But um, it's you know, there's other competitors. We're all out there together. We're all trying to play strategy because you need to have your tires as hot as possible, and it's cold up there. And uh, you wouldn't think there'd be a lot of strategy in a race that runs about ten minutes, but there's a lot going on. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> Steep learning curve, every sense of the word. Uh, and apologies for the very obvious pun there. Are you getting, Mike, any sense of where you guys are? You mentioned the Bentley that you're benchmarking yourself uh, against. Uh, Roman, we know, will he's only got one speed on the mountain, which is full attack. Um, have you got any idea where you think you might be in terms of time for Sunday? We're shooting to be able to make what they started for the first time this year, the Fast 15. So I think I'd, I'd, I'd leave it there. I feel like we're going to make that. I'd like to say we can do better than that, but uh, it would be nice to uh, get the qualifying in tomorrow, and I think we'll have a better idea. I'm very envious of you being there. I'm not envious of the, the early starts. In fairness, actually, it was probably a bit easier for me when I went there because... I was used to being seven hours difference to UK time. So I kind of just stayed on UK time when, right. I, when I was there. And it didn't seem to make that much difference uh, to me. What's the biggest challenge, do you reckon, this weekend? Um, is it the, the lack of qualifying time, the lack of practice? Or, I mean, weather on Sunday? The weather's been all right and it looks okay. It's the, normally the afternoons, isn't it, when it, it gets a bit iffy up there? I mean, I think we've been fortunate, actually, with the weather. I I know that there's some stuff happening Friday, Saturday, but the good news is we don't have a lot happening on those days. Um, Not sure Sunday yet, but um, I would say just, 
you know, just the um, putting together of everything necessary in order to be able to compete at the level that we need to compete at. And, and we've done a really good job doing it. And this short window, which is a week, um, it's been about trying to get it all to come together and ultimately be successful with it. So we'll have to just we'll have to see um, how, how it works out. I have to tell you, Mike, and please pass this on to everybody who's there. The since the very first part of, of, of the announcement on this, the amount of people who have tweeted, who have emailed, who've put stuff on our uh, Radio Show Limited collective about the famous champion livery being back in motorsport, and particularly in a challenge such as this. By the way, this is so champion to do what you're doing here. There's a lot of love behind you. There's a lot of support behind you. So good luck for the weekend. And hopefully, I, I, I know you won't say anything about this, but hopefully we might see you back in circuit racing sometime soon as well. Yeah, you, you, you just never know. You never know where it might be headed. Mike, give so. out best to the team, won't you? And uh, obviously with Roman, you've got a, a safe pair of hands there in every sense of the word. And I can't even imagine what H is coming to, to terms with at the moment. Mike Peters... Uh, the man at the head of this fantastic project for Champion Porsche on Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. We'll cover it at the weekend on Sunday here on Radio Show uh, across our network. Mike, thanks for joining us from uh, Colorado Springs. Thank you very much and hope to see you soon. Yeah, you will, mate. And we'll be covering that at the weekend. Mike Peters uh, from his hotel room, Colorado Springs uh, in, uh, in Colorado at the foot of Pikes Peak, Johnny, myself and Bruce on Sunday afternoon UK time. Uh, we'll have all the details of that on the socials, but we're going to get the Mobile One feed. We've got some great interviews lined up as well on a very busy weekend where we're splitting ourselves between IMSA and Pikes Peak. And Nick Damon, who is still with us, uh, there's also a VCO race on this uh, there Saturday. There is a Sim Sport race. It's a 12-hour of Donington. So that's myself, um, Peter Mackay. And the Vizio guys. Yeah, some of the Simsport guys. And that's on ACC, though, not on ACC. ACC. Yes, I've had, to have a, I've had a crash course from uh, Adam Christodoulou about the, all the ins and outs of ACC. I'm now a, a virtual expert. Well, very <laughs> good. I'm a virtual expert, expert in so uh, many things. Uh, let's talk two wheels, and let's bring in fr- uh, from up there in that London village. Oh, I've Kerry, heard of there. Kerry Cobb. <laughs> Hi, Kez. How Hello. are you? Good evening. Can you hear me okay or not? Uh, you're kind of all right to Am me, I but there? so long as you're all... <laughs> oh, you're there. Oh, is there anybody I? there? It's like Madame McCarthy, <laughs> isn't it? So long as you're all right to the listener, that's the main thing. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to talk with you about British Superbikes, uh, yes. Kez. It's a long time since we've seen British Superbikes. Oh, it's been, uh, it's been far too long, hasn't it? So it's very exciting that it kicks off this weekend at Alton Park. And it's so exciting. When was gonna... the last race, Kez? Um, October 2019. Well, I mean, they were racing, but we, none of us got to see it, did we? So right, okay. It's, yeah, so October 2019 was the, was the last time that fans were allowed at Superbikes. So it's going to be brilliant. Only 4,000 each day, though, at Alton Park, which is a bit of a shame, but... You know, especially when there's 60,000 at Wembley. But hey-ho. <laughs> there's a reason for that. It's there will be it's, it's lavatories and social distancing, but we'll, yes. we'll leave that for other people. Yes. 25th anniversary season yes. for BSB. Bennett's British Superbikes, uh, we, we should say. 
And for the first time in a long time, nearly 10 years, we've got the returning champion, uh, or the champion from last year, coming back. Josh Brooks, yeah, and he's going to be racing under the number one um, number as well, which yeah. is really weird. They haven't done that for years. So, yeah, and he deserves that as well. I mean, he's been up there, thereabouts for the last five or six years, hasn't he? So, yeah, he's got his title defence with Vision Track Ducati, although he didn't do too well in um, in the pre-season testing. <laughs> mm. So it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens uh, for real this weekend. For this year, there are 12 riders on the grid who have won races, yeah. including uh, another Aussie, Jason yeah. O'Halloran. Um, fabulous year for him last year. And the he's back again with the Macam's Yamaha team to, to try and go one better uh, after being runner-up last season. Yeah, and, and actually, um, going back to that pre-season testing a couple of weeks ago at Donington Park, he did really, really well in that. So I think the McCann's Yamahas are going to be really strong this season. Um, but yeah, it's all about the Aussies, isn't it? Josh and Jason, they really are showing the way for the others at the moment. It will be really interesting to see how Jason gets on because um, he's teaming up with Taz McKenzie. Um, and mm. as I say, in, at Donington, they both did really, really well. Um, the other person that did really well at Donington was Danny Kent on the Suzuki. So that will be a bit of a shake-up as well. Is Christian Eden in, in, in with a shout? I mean, it's, yeah. his, it's his teammate who's his defending champion, yeah, um, yeah. as we've mentioned. He came third last season, um, and he's been doing all right on the Ducati as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see them racing together, actually. And, yeah, he, he should do all right. He should do all right. The, the other ones to look out for um, are the brand-new BMWs. Um, they've got a new bike this season, the BMW M1000RR, um, and that was looking really competitive in testing. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys do. Uh, and have, have Honda got the new bike as well in BSB this year? Um, Kawasaki have. Honda's, oh, Kawasaki. Yeah, yes, Honda have still got the Fireblade. Kawasaki have got a new Ninja ZX-10R. R. Right. Two R's, I R. think. R. <laughs> Two R's. R. 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 That's, R. R. That's, that's one of the new aero. It's got oh, is that the one with the clever aero? The clever aero, yes. Mm. That makes, that has makes a it less draggy and more fasty. More, less draggy <laughs> and more fasty. Like. That's the one, yes. <laughs> Just what we um, like. If, if you had to pick, what do you think? First of all, I mean, Ooh. actually, before I ask you that, there's a lot of good rookies this yes. year, including stepping up from the... Super Sports last year, Rory, Rory Skinner, and he's yeah. with Lee Jackson yep. um, at Kawasaki, isn't he? Yeah, FS3 Kawasaki um, on that brand new bike that we've just been talking about. So that will be really interesting to see how they do. There's been, there's a quite a few rookies this season. Um, and there's also um, in Honda, because of the old Japan class that they've been doing, they've got two new faces, Ryo Mizuno and Takumi Takahashi. Um, and so they've got a three-strong lineup with Glenn Irwin. That will be interesting to see as well. I'm kind of hoping that Peter Hickman does uh, mm. does well this year. I've got a, 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 he's with Savvy Forres, of course, yeah. in the FHO Racing BMWs. Yeah, Hickey's been doing this for years, hasn't he? And he's always there or thereabouts. So it'd be really good. To, I, I like Peter Hickman. Good bloke. Yeah, he's a top yeah, bloke. So bloke. yeah, it'd be good to see him. Um, and the only other ones to mention, well, I just briefly mentioned um, Danny Kent has uh, teamed up with Gino Rear this yes. season so yeah they they had a really good testing at donnington um and both kind of you know champions at moto three danny kent of course gino rear on the podium in moto two so they'll be ones to watch as well it seems nick that 
British Superbikes has really re-established itself in the last couple of three years. Um, and it, it's, it's mm. how I remember it. And it, it's a real stepping stone now to, to other things, isn't it? Well, yeah, much as you have the, uh, the Repsol series, the FCV, CVF, FEV. FEV series in, <laughs> in, with 14,000 tiny Spaniards getting themselves into MotoGP. If you want to be in the W uh, World Superbikes, then the place to be is British, super, it's British Superbikes. It's, it's, the, it's the feeder series to it. It's like all British F3 used to be. Like exactly, It has yeah. to be on your, yeah. your CV. And they changed the regs a few years ago uh, as well, Kez, didn't they? Mm. To saw that it aligned more closely with World Superbikes. Uh, and, and I think that was a, a smart thing to do. Well, they've also they've changed it again this season, John and Nick, because they've they've got this new way of qualifying, which is oh, really yes. <laughs> just, just when I reverse. just when I got my head around the last one, they've changed it again. So so what they do, they've they've kind of tried to sexy up Friday a little bit. So basically, the top twelve riders on combined times from Friday's sessions will go straight through to the second qualifying session, and the remaining. 16 have to take part in first qualifying session and the fastest six then progress to Q2. Confused? (laughs) More generous MotoGP. It's more generous than MotoGP. (laughs) All gets underway at Alton Park uh, at the weekend over in Cheshire. Fantastic uh, circuit. Uh, And before we leave tonight and head over uh, to our special programme with Ollie Jarvis, on this, the 30th anniversary of Mazda winning Le Mans with the 787B. Let's talk a little bit about MotoGP. Stay with us, Kez, and, and yeah. jump in if, uh, if you want to get in there. We talked about Marquez, but a lot of team news, Nick. Uh, Grassini signing a two-year deal with Ducati. Yes, so they will become the second top satellite team to go with Pramac. Um, I don't know whether you saw I didn't see what sort of bikes they're getting. I assume they're getting the new ones. Yeah, I think they're getting a year-old bike. year-old bike, okay. Mm. I mean, it's an odd decision to make, but obviously it's financially lu- more lucrative to do that than it is to run with uh, Aprilia. And uh, DG and, uh, and Antonio and Enea Bastanini, the two yeah, riders. No, no Careful there, how you yeah. say that. Effect- effectively, <laughs> really, yeah, at this point, if you don't have Italians or the occasional Spaniard, you're not actually allowed in motion GP anymore. And what do we think is going to happen with VR46 and, and Another Rossi? Another team, aren't they? Is it going to be Ducati? Or will it be tempted away by the big money from well, KTM or Aprilia? I, it, it, the, the, the smarter money was on Suzuki. Then Suzuki said they didn't want a satellite team, which has apparently really upset Dorna. They're not happy because this is going to end up with a very mm. lopsided event with 24 bikes, eight of which are Ducatis, and they didn't want that. They wanted, mm. four, they wanted um, six sets of four. Yeah, um, and they're going to have an eight and some fours and a couple of twos. It's not really. I mean, you know, it's a it's a good grid, but the the, the plans of uh, of uh, of Dora are not, not, not pinging out at the moment. Well, does that then carry in? You know, the politics of bike racing better than probably either of us two. <laughs> does that not make it very sensible as to why Grassini and uh, obviously now in the hands of the widow Grassini after the untimely death of the man at the top of Cordy? COVID earlier on this year, but she's decided to take it on and keep it going. Going with Ducati, Ducati are going to have the political clout in MotoGP because they've got the most bikes, surely. It's so hard to say, though, isn't it? Because it it doesn't necessarily go on. I mean, what are the odds on them winning MotoGP, World Superbike and BSB this year? You know, it's a good, strong bike, isn't it? But... 
Yeah, well, it's it's very interesting. It certainly is. Uh, Asen is. I go no, no, yes. No, 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 yes. no, no. Okay. no. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I'll say yes, Asin. definitely for BSP. <laughs> Uh, uh, sorry, before we go to Aston, the other team news is uh, five more years. Five more years. Five more years. Yes. <laughs> uh, for Akiayo and KTM. Does that surprise you, Nick? No, it's going after a horrendous hiccup at the start of the season. It's going really, really well. So they've actually proved they can develop the bikes um, in adversity. So, yeah. I mean, they also they have, of course, got the world's most the world's richest junior scheme coming through. Oh, have they ever? Um, and they're going to end up with a, with the reverse problem of uh, Red Bull who can't find any decent juniors. They're going to have to start farming their juniors out. They do. Uh, Akiayo does seem to be able to pick them, case because everybody who's on, a, on one of his bikes at the moment is battling for a championship. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say uh, in this right, situation. Right. I, 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 no, but, but I they are. I mean, it's it. a simple, yeah, I it's guess. A, it's as simple as that. It, and, and it's, you know, they, they have got this great ladder of, of talent. Asen, uh, next race for MotoGP. Um, oh. Morbidelli out and Garrett the Gerloff American in. back in. Yeah, I mean, he only, got, of course he only got practice, didn't he, in ooh, the penultimate race last year when uh, Rossi had COVID diagnosis and then got better in time mm. for Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so Garrett, yeah, very, very much impressed in mixed conditions on that day. He's now got a whole um, weekend. Aston, he's never run at Aston. Um, do do Aston still run the main race on Saturday? I don't think they do. I think, um, they, do. I think they run the BSB. I got, they know, used to. Really, that's Kez, a great question. I can't remember. I'm really sad about that because that's the only round that's missing from the Superbikes this season. Yeah, it's really yeah. gutting because Aston is but absolutely I, brilliant. You've but been there. Yeah. Oh, envy. Uh, yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, Aston's going to be, yeah, let's, let's say this right now. Unless it's uh, there's, there's a unbelievable sort of circumstances, Mark Marquez isn't winning at Aston. Except Aston always f- turns up daft results. Look at um, Jack Miller in the wet. Yeah, got but his first win there. Uh, and the wet will give him more of a chance. Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> we've run over a little bit. Kerry, thanks for looking after us tonight and making it all happen in London. Well, thank you for having me on air as well. Lovely. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I will now watch the, uh, the weekend's BSB action and feel far more, uh, far more informed. Just to prove we were live, by the way, the uh, um, Rod Chalmers uh, team Bernardo <laughs> staged a wonderful comeback at Three Sisters in the two-hour race. Uh, and we're taking three, two and three seconds a lap out of ML Racing at the end, but came up 20 seconds short. They could have done with a, another 10 or 12 laps, uh, but they've come second to ML Racing with Akiri Escott in third position. Only the top three uh, on the lead lap there, just to prove, as I say, that uh, we have been. And in the football, oh, well, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we're um, playing Germany. Uh, are we? Yes. We are playing Germany at Wembley. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, good heavens. 55 years of hurt and it's back to Germany again. So up uh, 56 then, or yeah. more. Let's, uh, let's just remind you that this weekend we've got uh, IMSA on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We've got Pikes Peak on Sunday. We've got the uh, online VCO event on Saturday. Is that Saturday or Saturday Sunday? starting at midday. Okay, yeah. and that's at Donington, isn't it? That's yeah, 12 a, a hours Donington. Yeah, 12 hours of Donington. Uh, very great thanks to all of our guests, particularly the Magnusons. Um, Meet the Magnusons has been a big hit uh, this evening, so we might actually 
have to do that again. You need a the theme tune, don't you? Do, 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 do you know that Terry and June? Yeah, all right. Uh, Jan and Kevin. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks to Mike Peters from Champion Porsche. He's at uh, Pikes Peak this weekend. Uh, with our, We've got our coverage thanks to Mobile One. And, of course, uh, we also had uh, Ben Constant-Juris and Seb Prio as well. It's going to be a busy weekend, uh, but don't worry. You can always catch up on the archive. Stay tuned uh, for Ollie Jarvis and a special programme, uh, which was... Uh, uh, recorded thanks to Mazda UK. All will be revealed in a few moments' time. But there's no time to explain now because the Lama's going to go and do some swatting up for all the racing at the weekend. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.